Welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. All right. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Moralia Python Radio. That intro is false. Uh, I am your host, Owen McIntyre, and Eric Burke has left us yet again for his yearly run around. I, I, according to these pictures on the chat, he's somewhere at a waterfall contemplating jumping in. Uh, so we may not see him ever again. Rob, you may be the brand new host of Morelia Python Radio because I can't be left to my own devices for like, you know, just that. So anyway, joining me today is, uh, of course, the constant fill-in when we have the show is Mr. Rob Stone. Rob, how are you today? I'm doing great, Owen. You know, it's fun being on here. I uh, I feel like Eric does, but in reverse. This is an episode that I won't be able to listen to, so that's a little bit sad. But at the same time, you guys <laughs> give us enough a year that I think I'll be all right. And heck, I'm still working on the uh, the project for the anniversary show. I think I got about 50 shows left before no. we get to that show in October. Um, oh, get through. God, I always forget this so, coming up, and it's always just a hit of embarrassment because you know, again, I don't remember half the shit I say, but you do, so it's not good. So yeah, it'll it'll be fun. There's there's been a lot of good stuff. It's a little bit different than last time, I think, in that there aren't as many. Put it this way, there hasn't been anything that's sort of the equivalent of that uh, the scrub show, so to speak. Everything's well, that's been minor moments. <laughs> I mean, I hopefully we're improving over the seasons. We're not just, you know, spinning our wheels. And speaking of a scrub show, that is actually the topic of tonight's show. We're going to have uh, my friend Chris Foley on, who uh, was actually the guy who literally got me into reptiles. So he's coming on because he has a newly acquired and built up a massive scrub collection and he'll be actually attempting to breed a lot of the different localities of scrub so he'll be on in the next couple minutes but rob what's going on with you um i hear you have timor pythons now i do i uh i saw some come across cameron's list what a month ago or three weeks a month ago something like that little captive hatch babies and they're my favorite snake to hate for sure uh this is this is time number four for me with them um and you know with varying experiences the biggest thing is if you keep if you don't have that many critters they're actually not that bad because if you have time to work with them even if they have uh, some unpleasant tendencies these sorts of things it's it's really not that bad if you don't have a, a hundred things 200 300 uh, like Eric, right? And it's actually mm. not so bad. So hopefully, at this point, I actually I don't know if we talked about this. This fit in with the cage discussion that you and Eric were having. I think last last week or two weeks ago, um, about getting more caging. And mm-hmm. uh, I did that. I actually moved out a bunch of the racks and stuff. Sold about sixty, sixty-five, mostly the Therai, the Variable Kings, some gray band stuff, so that I could put in this stack of caging and I tell you what, man, you, you were not wrong. I really enjoy it. Yeah. you like, you like, is it, is it kind of like the, I know you lose the amount of animals you could stick in that one little corner, but it, it kind of is the added that you can 
see everybody. Oh yeah, totally. But, I mean, it's it's been fascinating to see. So I had gone with the 18-inch high ones so I could put in a low-watt UV bulb. It's like 13-watt yeah. UVA. And it's just been fascinating to see what the different things do. Jamaican boas, or at least my big one, uh, goes out and basks during the day right under that bulb soaking up that UV. Because it's so low wattage, there's not actually that much heat maybe on the cork underneath it. We're talking about five degree, a five-degree bump, something like that. So she could actually get warmer by going sub and going on the, the heat pad. Um, mm-hmm. but she goes out during the day, not really at night. Puerto Rican boas, they... Uh, they basically, high, you guaranteed you won't see them during the day, but I put in red, the, the nocturnal red bulbs is actually the room fixture. So as soon as those lights are off, I'll pop those on, and, man, they're out and cruising the whole thing. It's pretty fantastic. So, really? See, yeah, it's really um, cool, man. That is sound cool. I, I, I'm, I'm conflicted about a lot of things, and I was going to actually bring this up to you tonight, is it's always been one of those things where um, – what what does Owen want to put in his giant ass living room tank? Um, because it seems to always seem to be filled with lizards, and I hate that because <laughs> lizards lizards are disgusting creatures. So um, they will eventually leave, and I will have something to put in there. And the big thing right now is that I want to put in there is can you communally house rhino rat snakes? Well, actually, as part of this uh, move to caging, I'm doing the same thing mm-hmm. myself, buddy. I've never done it before outside of the okay. context of, you know, trying to produce some. Um, never done it before personally. At Denver Zoo, mm-hmm. they had, um, when I was out there, there were two pair that were in a really big display, um, maybe maybe four or five foot tall, two and a half, three foot deep. Um, and maybe four foot across. So a really big space. They had two pair in there, which was interesting to me because, you know, in my experience, males will fight, you know, as much as any carpet python that you put together. The the display is going to be different. It'll just be one kind of chasing the other, but certainly, you know, you're going to get some biting and stuff. But in terms of talking about pairs, hey, man, I'm trying it right now. The only issue, um, the only issue that I can imagine it would be A, if you got males that just are constantly chasing those females, which when you pair them for breeding, you certainly see. The other thing is, right. man, once they're up and going, they will eat anything. And so you got to make sure you got two mice ready to go, not just one, or you might have a little situation. Um, that happened to me the other day. Not even I had given them each one. They both ate it. And then the uh, the male twitched, and the female got his whole head in her mouth. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> she just she just went right for it and put her put his whole head in her mouth, um, and I had to grab them both and say, "Come on, open up. This is not." To, and he's bigger than she is, but yeah, I mean, she just in one gulp took down that took his whole two inch head down, <laughs> and I went, "Oh, oh my okay, god, this is yeah, no, 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 no stop, thing. please so, stop, yeah." Yeah, they're not going to intentionally do that. You know, I think right. I've heard of, I haven't had it happen, but with babies, if you've got newborns together that occasionally, you know, one will twitch weird and one will eat the other, um, that I've right. heard of. But uh, these, it's more just making sure, you know, when you're feeding and then in the maybe half hour after you've fed them, just make sure that they don't uh, make sure nobody's so eating each up. other. Right. Yeah. And it's something I thought, I only have the trio. Um and I haven't killed them yet, so I guess I'm doing well. And it's <laughs> almost like because the tank is in my living room, right across from my front door, 
I, I, I'm twitchy about putting anything in there that wouldn't be able to take care of itself with a draft or, you know, uh, unforeseen temperatures. And the fact that those sure. guys are upstairs in an, un, in, in an unplugged rack, just getting the warmth from the monitor cages that are upstairs in my office is awesome. So they're front runners now to get in there when they get big. And I think if they have a really cool plant tank kind of a deal is uh, right up in there. So. Oh, I'm totally with you, man. I, you know, obviously I just set up three myself. So um, no, I think it's, I think it's the way to go. And I think just sort of leaning towards, you know, making sure you time them up correctly for, for breeding when they are big enough. Um, I think mm-hmm. that uh, makes a lot of sense. You know, if you, you're letting them dictate, right. I know that's Eric kind of thinks along that line and certainly right. Justin, you know, acts in that way. And it makes a lot of sense. And heck man, in terms of speaking of the UV, so they have access to the UV too. And I see, you know, there's one staring at me sitting coiled right up under that branch. I think it's mostly looking for a mouse, but it doesn't mind that UV at all. So nice. I'm just curious to see how it plays out. And I think certainly generally, that they're, uh, as things go, they're willing to display, willing to be out, even if you're there. And uh, I think that makes a great choice. Hmm. All right. So I, I need now to get Andrew to get his uh, trio of mangrove monitors out of my living room tank so I can start. Well, he's got a while. I well, mean, hey, man, go slow. Go time. slow. You, yeah, you go got, slow. You got yeah. a couple of years, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Don't, be, don't, yeah. don't be showing me something that's four inches around. You know, don't make it into a Maclots python <laughs> and uh I'll have to come over there and say, okay, don't feed these for the next two and a half years, and you'll be great. <laughs> so if I call you and be like, my rhino rat snake refused his small rat today, is that when, like, you yeah. start knocking on my door, and you're like, give me these, you're Dude, going to I've, stop. <laughs> I've seen it, man. I have seen it, really? and it's disgusting. Yeah, well, it's disgusting. I was speaking to somebody this weekend uh, who I didn't – who actually uh, – there was the Hamburg Reptile Show this past weekend, Saturday. Uh, so I went there and, you know, putzed around for a little bit and then quickly left because it was uh, August Reptile Show and I didn't want to be there when the sun started. <laughs> didn't want to get roasted off. out? Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 good. But I was talking to a guy, and it took me a little bit, but he's actually the guy who produced my female Fuscus. And so he and I started talking a little bit more about the Fuscus, and he goes, I have one that's eight feet long and eats small rabbits. And I'm like, why? Why would you eat that? <laughs> But, uh, oh first my. off, my Fuscus is a bitch. Like, why would you want that eight feet long? So, right, let's make this that, exciting. Sure. Yeah, let's make this great. Let's make this white lip status. Come on. You know, it's, and also he's talking about it and he's like, she will not, won't breed for me though. I'm like, because she's eight feet long. She's hideously overweight. And like, Nick's telling me that he's got them to breed with like males living in five court bins or something like that. So, they don't need to be huge, but I guess some people just like the draw of my snake eats rabbits. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there is something, something cool about that, but it's certainly, I don't know that it's in the best interest of the critters and, you know, it certainly isn't going to help you produce them. This is the thing. I mean, heck dude, I've once got a Maclots python that was like that. I need to find a picture of it to show, to send to you. Cause I know your love for Max and I the do. thing had to, it was genuinely seven foot and, yeah. I don't know, two and a half around, you know, and it came to me like that. And it was, it was impressive. And it was not just sort of a slug, it, you know, it was just this big critter and it's, it's impressive, but it's not going to help you produce them. And I don't know that, you know, I would tend to think it's not going to mean that it's going to live as long as something else. 
you know. So there is a value to, to it, but yeah. I mean, did you try to slim that animal down? Because I did just get a female Mac a couple months ago that was pretty much close to seven foot. I mean, she's a big girl. And I got her as an adult. I bought her, unfortunately, sight unseen. Somebody's like, female Mac. I'm like, buy it. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of uh, showed up. And I'm like, holy crap. So it was. It, she's very large um, to, to the point where I'm a little nervous about putting my boy in there with her. Um, but I'm, I'm still hopeful that she breeds. I kind of had her on a little bit of a crash diet where she is still getting fed, but her meals are definitely... Uh, way smaller than I know that she could take. So, right. Hopefully that well, turns it down. No doubt. Hey man, what? Uh, what's your old man's number? No, 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 no. He better not. He better not be calling. He promised me he wouldn't. So <laughs> that's not. That's not going to happen. You know that. Uh, that uh, he. No, just no. His number's a four eight four number, and it's four six seven. Okay. Good. Okay. Better, yeah. Right. No, not him. Good. That's a shame. <laughs> I, damn it. <laughs> better not be. Um, it's because uh, he threatens every once in a while when he gets frisky and asks me when what what's on the show, and I told him you were co-hosting. He goes, "Oh, that means that anybody can call in." I'm like, "No, no, Rob has permission. You don't." So. There's that. Oh, that's um, funny. But well, another thing hold, hold on one of, second, though. Hold, hold on. Caller yeah. with the 484 area code. Do you have a question or a comment? Hello? Hello. How's it going? <laughs> well, yeah, this is uh, Jim from Morgantown, and, and I've, I've dropped uh, my son on the head many times, so I really don't understand yeah, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I don't understand what he's talking about, dropping snakes on his head. Well, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Dad, and these things happen. I just want to know if this is uh, like a regular line. What the hell are you doing with your night, son? It's not a regular thing. It's just going to happen sometimes. Oh, I mean, no. you, told me you, had, you told me you had a date. What's going on here? Oh, for the love of Christ, Eric, get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my father, Jim McIntyre, decided hey. to pop on. Hey. Hi, Dad. <laughs> All right, we'll talk later, son. Okay, see ya. Thanks, bye. Have a good night. <laughs> block that number. Block that number forever. <laughs> Holy crap. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was awesome. I, no, I, was I, I, didn't, I didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> yeah, I know you didn't. <laughs> uh, awesome. Holy shit. All right, I believe this one. Uh, Howard. <laughs> Howard, is that you? Yes, sir. Hey, what's Hi, up, Howard? Oh, that was spectacular. Hey, Owen, pop, you got it, man. You're welcome to my house anytime. Your your son doesn't have to be here. That was that was spectacular. He made no. He will take you up on that. Shut up. Hey, oh, come on. It makes it worse. Well, what really kind of caught my eye was the uh, the crested geckos. Um, I don't know why they just kind of <laughs> they just kind of caught my eye, and uh, I've been looking at them um, for quite a while. Um, and uh, uh, somebody I did a trade with somebody, and uh, rather than them pay me uh, money, I decided just to see if they wanted to do that. So I picked up uh, 
you know, a few of them, and uh, I got to be honest, they're they're pretty pretty cool. Now, I guess the cool thing that I guess that I'm looking at is, you know, I doubt that I'm going to uh, be like a crested gecko leader or something like that. But you know, I can see being at a show and being able to uh, even just pay for the show by selling something like that. I was going to hold off on Oaks, but uh, they offered a table, and I said, why the hell not? And I can drive my new... Hey, are you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, the clips got a little out of control on me there, so uh, little, I had to reload the board. control there, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I was like, oh, my God. I had to reload the thing, and then I was like... Now I can't even pause the darn I'm thing. Like, I'm like, all this right, is crazy. Just rolling this stuff, I love it. So. Just rolling. Yeah, I got the one-on-one. Yeah. I, genuinely, I was looking. I think I see Chris. Let me confirm that number that you said it was going to be. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it got uh, it got a little out of control there. So sorry about that. It's all right. It was there. Funny. I go I like trying to be clever, and next thing you know. Right. You know, it goes crazy. Welcome to Morelia Python Radio. Every time you try to be clever, it backfires in your face. So, you know, I, know. I, I feel just well, like Eric at this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're doing good. You're doing fine. But, um, all right. Let's so see. So, here, this should be Chris. This is Chris. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, John. All right. Hey, Eric. Yeah, we're, you're great, man. <laughs> awesome. Uh, welcome back, as always, to really Python Radio. And, uh, so we were just having Before it gets too far away from us, don't believe Owen when he talks about this lizard shit. I went over there one day, and he had one Doom Rules monitor. And I went no. back, he had a Doom Rules monitor and two Niles. And I went back, and he had a Doom Rules and ten Niles. And now he's got mangroves. He's getting out of carpets. He's going to be a monitor breeder. <laughs> Actually, right now i got the three mangroves, six Niles. Yeah, that's it. So the three mangroves and the six Niles. So... Apparently Niles could be my thing. And the problem is that, you know, Chris, I know Niles fit into his realm of every animal he ever wants because it's an ill-tempered thing that comes flying out of the cage <laughs> with intent to kill. So, you know, that's pretty much how it always goes. But uh, Speaking of things that come flying out with intent to kill... So, yes. first of all, I'm really jealous of all of you guys and this et cetera stuff because this time around coming back, I've devoted almost entirely to scrub pythons, but uh, Owen did talk me into white lips again, and uh, we uh, we worked out a deal, and he sent me three of his golds, and he's got one big female that's really chill, a really little female that you could go in and poke on the head, and she is just fine, and then mm-hmm. he's got this male that's like lightning. <laughs> like I don't know how this group came together Like I had him for about a month And the male caught me off guard Bolted Went behind the rack Started weaving in and out of the poles I go to grab him Bites me on the webbing in between my fingers Tries to let go Can't let go So he's stuck to the webbing between my fingers He's stuck in between the poles And he's spraying everywhere So I can't get him I can't get him off me and we're just playing this battle for what feels like 20 minutes, and I'm thanking Owen every minute of it. 
You wanted the, the here's the thing is that the, the group came together because uh, the the two older ones, the older the male and the older female, they're the captive born and breds from Steve Tillis, and then the younger female is the captive born and bred from Sean Jacobs. So you're sitting here thinking that all captive born and breds are going to be you know great great you know totally chill, and then here's yeah, this that's male what he told him as too. Exactly, here's this male is just. <laughs> He was – he and I – Chris and I have had conversations about White Lips is that they have two mentalities. Either they're going to stand and fight or they're just going to run. And this male is a runner through and through. But when running doesn't work, he likes to just start trying to fight. So um, he's kind of a mix. But uh, you wanted him. He's your problem now. So that's my take on that. But uh, anyway, Chris, why don't you give us – a quick overview of what he got scrub wise, because I can't even keep it straight. And you and I talk all the time about this crap. So <laughs> what do you have? Um, how many do you have? And um, you know, uh, what's going on? Jeez, uh, you make it sound like I got a hundred snakes like you guys, but uh... you might give it some time. <laughs> no, in reality, I probably <laughs> have right around 20 scrubs, um, a little bit of everything. Uh, I do a lot of different, a lot of work with David Means. We kind of exchange a lot of animals, so I don't even know uh, who owns what of certain things at this point. Um, I'd say the the biggest things uh, that were that, that I'm going to try this year are uh, Waminas, and I have a, a patternless female that's really really cool. I've never actually seen another one before. Um, Chris, uh, is, that same, is that the same patternless Wamina that you've had for off and on for quite a while now? Forever. Yeah, that that one that goes all the way back to that that clutch from Cam that David had and then sent to me. Uh, even when right. I got out, I I kept her in a pair of bar necks, just kind of, I guess you could right say as pets because I wasn't really focused, but I just couldn't let him go. Uh, but she's finally ready. I think. I hope. <laughs> all um, right. So. The Waminas, and then uh, Barnex. So there's Jaya and Sarong, or am I just going to keep butchering localities and just let you talk? <laughs> yeah, no, I got one pair of Barnex. Um, I have another pair that, that, that's really cool, but she's just not ready yet. Um, I have a, a pair of Aru's uh, with a really unique male, real high yellow male. I've never really seen anything like it before. Uh, that's another animal that, that left and came back. It went to Ryan Norris and then back to David and then back to me again. Um, so real real happy to have those. Uh, got a pair of tannin bars, um, a pair of uh, exantic patternless, and then I have a uh, exantic pattern, and then I have a male uh, xantic pattern. Uh, the female is like nothing I've ever seen, though. You guys are talking about inheriting big animal this is like a like a, a nine foot tannin bar <laughs> uh, and she she's allegedly proven so hopefully there's some truth to that and the size is somewhat due to age but uh we'll we'll see how that goes i've been trying to thin her out but i've only had her a few months so we'll uh hopefully we'll have a little luck i'm i'm afraid i know uh some of you guys have paired some things with really tiny males and it worked out but I just look at it and get terrified because I've seen what my scrubs can do to each other and putting a tiny male in there freaks me out a little bit. Yeah. And 
Rob and I were talking about this before uh, the show started, is that, like, you know, when it comes to you and the localities and stuff, it, it's taking you so long to pair up a few animals. You know, I'm thinking about that Kofayu already. And it's like... And she, and she is paired. It, yeah, I know, but what if she kills him? <laughs> it's like, then what? <laughs> hey, that's bad news. Don't wish that. Yeah, it's not, not good. <laughs> Because if this happens now, you guys are all witness that this is Owen's fault. Yeah, I know. I just, yeah, I, I shouldn't have said that. But, uh, yeah, but <laughs> so you have that stuff going for you. And obviously, so you said you have the Aroos, the Barnecks, the Tannenbars. Are there any other scrub pairings that you're going to be trying this coming season? Uh, and, and the Lamina. So I'll, I'll have four. Um, so that, that'll be uh, pretty exciting. I think David has somewhere in, in the neighborhood of six. Uh, that, that he is going to try. Um, of that, I think the Kofi Owls are one of them. Uh, there's definitely a, a bigger pair of Barnecks over there, uh, some Waminas, and I think some, some patternless Southerns. Wow. Um, I just paired the, uh, uh, the Highlands. Uh, so the only thing that's left is my Moluccans, which kills me because I've owned like 12 of them and Scott will never let me forget that I sold them all and now uh, now they're like now they're like six seven hundred dollars and I throw up when I see an ad and then I don't buy them so yeah it was uh Scott actually there's that uh, and then I I keep begging Rob Stone to to break down the doors at at Bushmaster and get us some Helma Harris but that hasn't happened yet Hey, Rob, you want to go steal some Helmet Harris? Yeah, it's, um, I don't think he's going to do it. But uh, Scott has actually posted up a thing asking about, inquiring about uh, Malukins on all the Morelia writ uh, pages. Uh, and uh, I think he's just trying to get a general knowledge of what to do when he pairs his. And it actually led back to um, Josh, uh, who has uh, one of the Malukins that you and I had from Cam, a little baby boy that we sold to Chad Gray that I think proved out and then went and Josh picked it up. So yeah, you yeah, trying to look for does. information for that guy. But, uh, yeah, Scott says he's looking for information, but mark my words, mm-hmm. this time next year, he's going to have like 50 less carpets and like 10 more Malukins. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm fine with that as long as he breeds it. If he just keeps posting up pictures and staring at them, I'm gonna slap him. You know, Jesus, <laughs> make more. So it's definitely very cool. So, um, is there any other scrubs that you're gonna be adding to the collection other than obviously the Malukins? Uh, I want to pair the Malukins. I want to pair the Helm. Um, you know, I say no, and then something weird pops up, and I buy it. I <laughs> I don't know what to say. And I'm doing my uh, – I'm like a professional mover at this point. Somehow I end up moving like once per year, and it's always around breeding season, and then I screw myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time it's going to be a little bit earlier. So I'll be moved in next month, and I'll have a new and, and bigger snake room. So that could uh, – who knows what that will bring. Awesome. Right on. Well, so but, uh, 
in that uh, in that vein, can you tell us a little bit about the different Barnack localities, kind of how you tell them apart, these different things, thinking, well, maybe you'll have to have, to have a couple pairs of each flavor, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of, that is kind of the goal. I mean, I, I think collectively uh, between David and I, we probably, I mean, there's always going to be something new. But to my knowledge, we have something of every locality that there, that there is. Um, and obviously, like, your, your sarongs are – and the the locality thing gets gets crazy, and there's there's a lot of debate. So, for sake of the examples, I am just speaking of what they have been commonly known as, because now there's sure. it, it, there's some perception that I, I guess a lot of the barnecks or this Birdheads Peninsula locality, and what we thought were Waminas are actually barnecks are coming from there, and I. I don't know, but for sake of argument, everything that, that we've seen an add on, you know, the, the classic banded animals, you know, I, I would know is the sarongs. Um, the, I, it's really hard to explain a kofiao if you haven't seen it, because it's, it, it's almost like a traditional barneck, but it has a little more broken pattern and it's missing those, those little portholes down the side, if you know what I mean, those little circular patterns on the, on the, yeah. like the lats. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it sucks that I just got a new phone cause you sent me pictures of all these animals <laughs> and I had them all ready to go for this episode, but I've lost them all. So, and I, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I had them here and they're gone. So <laughs> there's that. So, uh, yeah, continue. I'm going to keep looking, but, uh, they're definitely, they're, they kind of seem to have less of a pattern than Kofi, if I remember correctly. Uh, they do, and I think uh, one of my favorites now is actually the, the Manaquaris, and I think when I first got into Scrubs, to me, they kind of just looked like another Barnack, and I, I didn't get it. I didn't need any more Barnacks, so I didn't really have interest. Um, but I like them because they're they're kind of a traditional Barnack, but, but faded, and what seems to be more gold hmm. uh, from, from what I've seen, which is really cool. I, I have a little baby female here, but David has an older pair uh, that, that turned out like a, a little more yellow gold than a lot of the barnecks uh, that we've had or like the, the sarongs that we've had, which is really neat. Um, uh, the Waminas, it's weird because to me uh, – I consider like the, the sarongs and, and the things of that nature to be like the true, true barnex. And then I look mm-hmm. at a Lamina and that's for lack of better terms, like a, like a halfway barnex. <laughs> and then there's Southerns and, and a ruse that I don't classify as barnex, even though they could have some faint bars as, as well. Um, but the Waminas are, are definitely a little darker, but they def they have like a, um, I mean, how how would you describe it? It's kind of like a, a crazy pattern of, of gibberish. It just goes right. on start to finish. It, it ends almost in like a checker. The Waminas? It's kind of like yeah. almost striping. You know, I do have a picture of the male Wamina. I'm going to throw him up on the chat right now. Um, yeah, some combination of striping, fishnet pattern. It's just sort of, yeah, yeah, just a heavy pattern, but not in a kind of distinct form is the way I tend to think of it. Do you really think those and are a, a barnack, or do you think because that's that no, I, a little I don't bit... think they are. I mean, they they have some presence of bars, but 
I'm not I, I'm not a very good locality guy, so I I don't include them just based on what I look at. But I guess if if you throw it up on a map, I don't know how close they actually are to each other. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I I wouldn't really. Um, I've heard some people do it, but I I would agree that they're not really. Yeah. Um, I think one of the coolest ones, and you don't see that much of, and I didn't see one in person until uh, David got them, is is the Bioc locality. And they're kind of they're really bizarre. Like they they they're like a almost a, almost a black, uh, but they have uh, some some really distinct pattern and, and they're they're really different too. I've, I've seen David throw up some, and then I saw uh, Lawrence throw up some of his, and his are actually kind of like a variety of a brown. Um, and then they have a, like a a little yellow on their face, which is pretty cool. So wait, he got um. Because were the Biox the uh, those were his huge ones that we saw that one yeah, time, and right? This is, here's the weird thing about that too. When you and I went down mm-hmm. there, he had those Biox, and they were like 16 feet Massive. long. They were originally from Ted Thompson, and yeah, you know, I, I think they were just really, really old. Uh, but remember, uh, they almost kind of look like Southern sort of. Yeah. Um, this variety of Biox does not look like that at all. I'll, I'll have to post some pictures up on on the page afterwards. But these are are much more darker. They have a much more defined pattern. I, you would never classify them with the with the southern ever. Really. Hmm. Um, so they're hmm. they're really neat. I'm dying to see him pair those up. Well, that like um, they, are they? Did that come in, or is that like in a couple of years? <laughs> uh, the pair I we're at, at lost a pair of them, but he has. Uh, I think two or three that he's acquired, I, I guess, over the years. Um, but that's the thing about scrubs. Like, you'll get one, and you'll be like, man, I'm never going to pair that thing. And sometimes you'll pair it next week. Sometimes it takes five years to bring them in again. Jesus. Yeah. It, it's really interesting that we don't see more of those. And it must – I would think it just has to be a selective bias thing where they're not, you know, Intentionally not having the collectors pick those up with all the the Biox stuff that we know happens, you know that that's really interesting. Compared well, to the one time that I did talk point, to Cam know. like years ago, I asked Cam if he could get you know specific things for us, and he's like, I really can't because when I when I send the collector out to go right. get it, that's all he's going to get. He's going to keep bringing them back, and I might be able to sell you one, and I might be able to sell ten more but this really isn't the, the niche market for me. So when they, when they keep coming in, I won't be able to unload them. So I don't ask for them. You know, green trees, he can unload those all day. True. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I think typically then that means you have to be, uh, to make it worthwhile, you have to agree to buy, you know, 10 or 20 of them on the front end and, <laughs> and say, okay, well, it'll, it'll do it if that's the case, you know? You heard Rob just offered that's, to split that's that. That's all with the me, right? Yeah, yeah. Rob offered to split that. Twenty pythons each. There you I go. Know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not nothing. Yeah, that's not nothing. No, it's fine. But um, so obviously the next. So the biggest one that I always had problems with was telling the difference between uh, Jaya and uh, Sarong. Um, is there anything you can kind of give? Because I know a lot of people would post up that they have a pair of Jayas and 
immediately like the next comment would be like the females are so wrong. Like, how do you kind of tell the difference between those guys? I mean, there's probably somebody out there that feels more strongly about this than I do or can, or can give some specifics, but it's so, so thin and far between. I think it's difficult to, to truly point out the difference. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that I will, that I will say about the sarongs is, in my experience, they have been the they have been the cleanest patterned bar neck of of the group. Um, supposedly, my one of my pairs are are Jayapura, and to me, they they look very similar to the bar necks, other than a little bit different gold coloring and a little bit more broken pattern. Mhm. Which is not too much of a difference between those guys. Yeah, and I wish, uh, and maybe there will be with with more popularity and more imports. I, I wish there was more specifics available. I mean, I've seen I've seen importers bring in Waminas and call them Kofiels, or really a Southern and call it a Barneck. Like it's, I don't know if it's lack of knowledge, if it's people trying to sell things to get more attention and they think they can move it that way. I, I, I don't know, but the responses that I get is, Oh, that's what the importer told me that it was, or the exporter yeah. told me that it was. Um, right. So I don't know, you know, Rob, I don't know if you've, you know, talked to any of these guys or maybe even talked to Cam in more depth. I've never gotten a weird response like that from Cam, but it seems like they get them and they, they don't really know, or they don't want to divulge. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to think it's more the former than the latter, but, you know, it, I think the key in this stuff is just establishing a good relationship with someone that you, you trust as being honest with you, whether that's honest generally or in this specific regard or whatever it is, and and you just run with that. You know, I mean, I think that's probably solid advice for all the stuff that we do, but specifically in terms of this, I think you just have to cultivate a relationship where you know, you ask a direct question, you get a direct answer that, that makes sense, you know, and comports with what your eyes tell you. You know, you get some stuff where you just say that's obviously not the case. One uh, uh, one point I do want to jump in with mm-hmm. um, is uh, I see that at this point we have a whole handful of folks that are on on, and I assume just listening in. If that's not the case, please uh, send me a message on Facebook and I'll uh, – I'll pull you in, but at this point, I'm just going to assume everybody's just listening in. If you also have questions, you can put them in on the Morelia Python radio chat, and we can go ahead and ask Chris pretty much anything, um, and he'll have to answer us because he's here. So, yeah, there's that. Um, <laughs> the, so what happens if I hang up? <laughs> I'll, I'll find you. Don't you worry. I, I know your number. So um, when it comes to body types, obviously – uh, you know, people kind of shift all over the place of, you know, a certain scrub should be this big compared to a, another scrub that should be this big. It, it, do you kind of see them all kind of either like tannin bar should not be as big as Barnex, correct? Yeah, I mean, that's <clears throat> that's the general rule of thumb. I think there are some variations among these localities that we don't really know for sure because I don't think we've had enough of them in the adult stages for long enough. Um, 
And it's funny because I've, I've raised some animals on the same exact feeding schedule and some will grow significantly faster than others. I don't know if that's a metabolism thing, if it means they're destined to be bigger, or if it's just every snake is unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I but, think um, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, heck, it happens with people, but that actually just prompted me to think. I was talking with Chad Brown, I think this was last year or so, and he was telling me about when they had gone to Halmahara when he went with Cameron, um, and he said that in the skinning station – there was a 14-foot-long homohara, which is much bigger than oh I ever would have imagined they would get. Um, and I don't think they all get that big, but I think you're kind of talking right on record stuff, right? In the same way, with, it's very uncommon to see 28-foot, 29-foot retakes, which supposedly they, you know, which they do get, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about probably old critters that uh, already were had the, as you say, metabolism to have the capacity to get that big. So it's a, you know, probably only a small percentage of the population. And then that one happened to survive for a really long time and grow up to be just a monster. Do you, do you feel that's the case with a lot of animals? Cause I know that when with selling carpets, everybody says like, Oh man, but they get like 10 feet long. I'm like, yes. At one point, one carpet somewhere on this planet got 10 foot long and someone measured it and put it in a book. That, and it that, was in that, Owen's basement, and his name was Sophie. Yeah, she was my baby. <laughs> but, you know, that was um, – but, you know, there's – so are you are you seeing that a lot of the things with – I would imagine a lot of things with scrubs are that people have it written down somewhere that this scrub should get 14 foot long, and they feed it, and they treat it that way till it gets 14 foot long and then wonder why it never breeds. I mean – there might be some literature out there that's outdated that says something along those lines. And I've definitely seen, you know, we've all seen our share of people that, you know, get something because they wanted to get huge and they wanted to get huge fast. And, and it, it, it's just that, and you're right. It, it doesn't breed. I think that, um, I think that keeping them, you know, the, the whole slow feeding and keeping them lean, that's definitely been a, a bigger topic in the recent years than in the past. But I think that is even more huge uh, for scrubs, where when a scrub is overweight, I, I legitimately don't think you have a chance. Right. Well, it makes sense, right? In terms of, I think those follicles get really big before they ovulate based on, you know, my own experience, just watching them saying, wow, that's getting big, but not getting it to that point. And if you have fat bodies that are limiting the size those follicles can get, you know, it just doesn't, literally doesn't have a chance to progress far enough to ultimately yield success. I mean, I think at least part of the Bolins thing fits into that box as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. So what is your approach to keeping them leaner? I mean, is it the amount of food you feed? Is it how often you feed? Is it, um, cause I know you were experimenting with the snake sausages, the, the reptilinks, or was that just for feeding my animals just to annoy me? Somebody just gave me a couple of samples and I wanted to see if I could hook your carpets on them. Why? <laughs> so that you get them Why back and that's all they need. What's not fun about that? Yeah, well, they, it didn't work, so, huh. so. <laughs> uh, No, really, though, I feed really pretty much once every every 14 days in a small to medium-sized meal at best. Um, if something is, 
like I said, some things seem to have like some different metabolisms. Um, like that that patternless Wamina was. I was feeding her at the pace of the Barnex, and she, to me, started to look too skinny. Uh, so I so mm-hmm. I started to you know I throw an extra meal in or maybe a bigger one here and there. Um, so I don't necessarily have a rule of thumb. I I start with that as a basis, and I watch the animals, and if they're responding to it. Um, you know that that's what I stick with, or or I'll adjust more or less if uh, you know they're going the opposite way. So what's the prey item? Rat, bird, turkey leg? Uh, you know I do <laughs> I do feed rats, mm. but I think there's a kind of a debate of well, one my feeling about scrubs kind of is that they're more often than not arboreal, or they can be. And they have obnoxiously large teeth. So in my head, I picture that as to snag birds. Right. Um, and I do feed things chicks periodically. I I mix it up because I think, you know, just like in the wild, they wouldn't turn down a rat if it passed them, just like they wouldn't turn down a bird if it flew by them. So I think that inevitably there's kind of a varied diet. Um, but I kind of think for I don't have any experience with this at all, maybe. So maybe you guys could shed some insight. I'm just, just thinking out loud. Um, what are the smallest that rabbits can be? Because my understanding is that rabbits are much leaner than rats. So I'm almost wondering with a with a big adult, does a really small rabbit make more sense than a big rat at this point? Yeah, no, certainly from the Reptilink thing, I know that was one of the appeals of using the rabbit or the rabbit mix stuff. You know, it's just looking at the nutrient ratio relative to fat. Um, the, you know, rabbit is a really good food in the same way that, you know, venison's a good food, although, you know, our, obviously our stuff isn't able to take deer-sized critters, you know, so maybe the that's where the link stuff makes a lot of sense, you know? Right. Um, in terms of the bird stuff, I, I'm just picturing in my mind, I think it was some sort of, some sort of, I don't know birds, so I'll say parrot, but it wasn't a parrot, but it was some sort of fancy large bird. And a lot of the Homohara pictures that you see online um, are actually taken by birders, right? And one of them had snagged some just huge, huge, you know, brightly colored, uh, large plumed bird. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's something something to your point there. I mean, I, from my own experience with them, I'd say they're probably willing to take down, you know, anything they think will they'll cram into their stomach. And I think, you know, I usually just fed or feed mice, you know, that's kind of my approach. That's what, that's what I have. That's what I make. And um, so that, you know, made sense for me and I had good success with that, but coming into season, what, you know, kind of getting into Eric's seasonal feeding question. Right. Um, Right. I I always thought it made a lot of sense to, to hit them with something bird, you know, that's, really the time of year when you start uh, at the feed stores and stuff, start seeing baby uh, baby chicks and baby um, yeah, geese and whatever it might be, and get one that's grown out for two or three weeks, and then feed that. So you're really hitting it, kind of waking it up to say, hey, here's a big, you know, not only uh, in terms of the protein, but just a big item to kind of stretch them out. And especially if you're doing kind of like me, feeding typically small, 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 small and steady to then wait a little bit and then hit them with a big item, I think kind of just gets them going. What do you think about that, Chris? That's actually, that's probably the the last thing that I 
never really tried with with anything that I've produced, but it actually it kind of makes a lot of sense. And I guess you're timing that, I guess, based off of food availability in in their habitat. Right. Yeah. That's the thought process, anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, there's there people that have that. produced. I don't know about scrubs, but have produced other animals alone and not cycling, not doing anything else. Right. So I think. Uh, it, I mean, there's quite a few, but I think just recently on Facebook, I thought I saw Steve Tillis just do it with something, and and said that was the only measure that that he used for uh, them. Was that a blood pipe? Was that bloods or yeah, I think it was a blood. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure how they respond that well to the feed cycling, but it was. Uh, if I, I know we're going back a couple of years, but do you remember? That planet Earth thing was it a scrub that was hanging out in that bat cave and was nagging them out of the air, kind of yeah, like that. Yeah, it was. So, so is that just like the basic thing? Is that these things should be lean enough to get up in a tree and snag stuff out of the air? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair. Now they still, right. I mean, they still with age can get pretty big. I mean, uh, rain the the male scrub that Bob. The captive bread stuff that is around from David. I mean, he's still over 15 feet. Jesus. And I think the the female that were some of the different females that he bred with were you know 15, 16 feet. And I think that you might be able to produce them you know smaller, like eight feet, ten feet. I, I think is is reasonable with the. They don't they don't stop growing. So when they you know, when they when they get some age on them, they can still definitely be big, but you can be big still too. Cool. So now, babies as feeders, are they a complete fucking mess, or is it like any other kind of um, snake? Kind of going with that? Is it is it knocking your head against the table? I mean, I've only ever dealt with yearlings that you have sent me and they frustrated me to the point where I will never have a scrub in my house again. So um, <laughs> how would juveniles and hatchlings do with that? You just mean uh, like to get them started? Yeah, and get them started and continuously I mean, keep going. I mean, uh, uh, I mean actually they're not when they're on a good uh I guess a, a good routine. They're no different than than the carpets to me. I mean, I've been feeding pretty much the, the same pattern for for years for some of the animals, and they almost see it coming. There's days where they're coiled up in the corner, and I'm in there cleaning, and they're they're not bothered. But then you go down three days later, and that's feeding day, and they know it before I pull the rats out, and their faces are at the glass. I mean, I think uh, hmm. you know. Every, so everything has picky animals. You know, carpets eat great, but you've had a couple that, you know, are the death of you to get food yeah, down true. their throats. Um, and we've, you know, we've had those kind of with the scrubs too. David has a pair right now that were slow for, I don't know, they might have been slow for two or three years, and they're just coming into a, a pattern now. So that, that to me is like one of the biggest mysteries about snakes. I mean, I don't, I don't know that or what, what causes it. Maybe, I don't know if it's an acclimation thing or what, but I feel like every species always has those few assholes that refuse to eat. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 I probably agree with you there. Um, so, like, obviously, you just offer straight up the normal fuzzies or hoppers that you would normally offer any other kind of python. Yeah, and if they don't take them, typically we'll leave them overnight, and they're gone by the next morning. Um, I got this really, really little psychopath. I don't even know what it is. It's it's patternless, and it looks like a patternless Wamina, but it doesn't look like my patternless Wamina. Uh, it kind of looks like a patternless Aru. We don't know what the heck it is, but it's it's a it's a lightning bolt. Like you open the cage, and it is out mouth open, falling on the ground. And it's it's so, <laughs> so you nervous. Think your favorite. <laughs> yeah, I actually I love this animal, home, right? Yeah. And then I sent it to David and he didn't talk to me for a week. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, there you go. But, but uh, um, we were the one who we famously were loves the uh the aggro stuff, right? Oh yeah. yeah. What's that? That's that's you yeah. famously love all the aggro oh, stuff. Oh yeah. That's me. Every time I have a new bike story. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, we were we were convinced for sure this thing was just never. It just didn't look like it was going to eat. It was skinny. Mm. It was recovering from some some scarring and some wild caught stuff, and it was just so high strung, so upset at at the world at everything. We're like, no way, this thing's going to take food. And we left a a pink a, a fuzzy mouse and a, a pinky rat in there, and it ate both of them overnight. <laughs> nice. Were they live? Because I know that's the the trick I've seen with a lot of the stuff is, uh, particularly if it's small stuff, whether it was newborn baby southerns or the the super small homes or whatever it would be, that you know if you were trying to do it frozen thawed, you can run into a problem. But if you can toss in lot, you know, non dangerous lives, so crawler crawler and smaller lives, that 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 really helps. I had luck with that with my homes that, that didn't eat in the past. This particular one ended up taking frozen. We got really lucky, but, but yeah, I've, I've had to go that route before. But yeah, not not terrible. Typically, not terrible. Otherwise, right? I mean, that's at least yeah, that's my recollection. So. Maybe I've done some chick stuff, but you know, typically if they're comfy and especially if they're small and you can go live without worrying about it, I think it's pretty straightforward. Right. But hey, you just I can't be all good. When doesn't like, want to feed live. <laughs> <laughs> right. I had, I had one Halmahera uh, that went. I feel, I feel like that animal went almost a year without food. Really. I was ready to like. I started doubting myself so much. I was ready to just give that animal away. Hmm. Like I just I, I I just assumed I'm like I have to be doing something wrong. This has to be my fault. Uh, I'm done. And then it took a chick. Hmm. And that was one with and that I size, think, like a three and a half, four footer, something like that. Yeah, and I think that's one that I think that's the one Owen that that I sent to Eric. Yes, if I remember correctly. Because we got her eating chicks, and then Eric got her, and then she stopped eating again. Right. And then she started eating again. Those those species are the the death of me anyway. I don't. Well, is it is it, is it hideously like I I I know obviously at least what I've seen in whitelips we were we were talking about it earlier is captive born and bred whitelips tend to be a little bit 
less on edge than the Wildcock counterparts. Is that true with Scrubs as well, or is it a crapshoot? Uh, I mean, I think it's a toss-up. I have some of each that'll be pretty chill or rip your face off. Um, I mean, I start, certainly think that captive, bred and born babies definitely give you a good head start to manage that. Hmm. But uh, I'm sure, it's just a I mean, size I've, I've question, got, you know, kind of an acclimatization question, right? Yeah, it, it is, and and I actually. Uh, we imported a, I don't even remember who I got this from. It might have been from Dan, maybe. I don't know, but it was like, he was like five or six feet, and it was a, a patternless bar neck. Okay. Never, I don't know what locality exactly. Again, this is one of those things I tell you I'm done, and then I see something weird, and I got to get it. <laughs> um, but that thing... Chill as day. Came straight out of the wild. You could hand pick it up out of the bag and no problem. Really? Uh, but then you have that little baby that I told you about that, you know, flies out of the cage and falls on the floor and he's ready to kill. Hmm. I, I don't know. It's like we kind of had that with the – we had a – how many Malukans did we had at one point where it was – you had like the good ones, and then you had the psychopaths all mixed in, and they all came in the same batch. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They they varied. I mean, that's the batch that Hazel came in. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned Hazel, so now Scott Borden somewhere has uh, is swooning over her, even though she's um, <laughs> she's gone. So yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I definitely want to get back into those again. Unfortunately, I picked the time to do it when they're six times the amount of money that they were before. But is that just because of availability? I mean, what causes that kind of a I mean, shift up and it's down? It's a mix of availability and interest because five years ago, it didn't matter if it was yellow. Nobody wanted a scrub python. True. Where now? Sure. I mean, heck. I mean, yeah, we've done the same with the homes, man. You know where I've. I've seen that now he can't get enough of them, doesn't get enough of them, you know, whereas there have been periods of time where they would sit on the list for four months and then he used to drop them 50 bucks or whatever and then I'd buy the whole lot that he had, you know, and that would just never happen nowadays. Viper bows used to be 35 bucks and now they sell out instantly for, what, 150 <laughs> you know? That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, the cheapest Moluccan I ever got was about $75. And uh, I think I just saw a pair from Outback two months ago for 1500 <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, with with the names of this, like, I know we have the locality names, and I know we have that those localities could be wrong and that everything else is kind of in flux right now, but there are other names that apply to that people are flying to scrubs that might not even make any sense. Like what the hell is an orange scrub and what the hell is a scream scrub? What the hell is a cream scrub? What are these things? <laughs> well, the, the orange scrub is more than likely the, the Highland or the Oxible. Um, the Highlands used to be the Oxibles or the Oxibles used to be the oranges. It, the names are ever changing in my mind. Is, is that I think the, uh, 
So the the cream scrub, I believe, was just a typo on somebody's part, and they meant to say Saram, which is the locality of right. Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was guessing too. It gets that easy. <laughs> oh, somebody screwed up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the Moluccans, uh, at least as far as I know, come out of Saram and Ambon, and I don't know if anybody else has a better eye than me. I can't really tell the difference between those two, but I know uh, the last one that I had had a a really long and narrow snout that I wasn't used to seeing, and. That one supposedly came from Saram, but then I just saw those ones from Outback. If they were from Saram, they didn't look anything like her, so I don't – I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I think most of that, as as I understand it, I think most of those Moluccans are actually from there. You know, it's kind of one of those things where 10 years ago we just didn't see that additional name. You know, it was just Moluccan, and we didn't have that extra piece of info. Um, along, one question I have, because I haven't – Personally, I haven't seen any for a while. There's one one animal or one pair that I'm thinking of that I used to see, but have you seen any of the uh, the striped Moluccan stuff recently? Ooh, no, I haven't. And that was when you were chasing. I remember we we had and we had we had four. Yeah, or yeah, we had, we had it was um yeah it was the captive born and bred girl and it was Sparklug too. So they were both striped. So. Damn. Yeah, they were they were really cool. It'd be nice yeah. to get some of those again. Should of course we already talked earlier this week about how you should go to Canada and smother back some Hedexanix. So, you know, <laughs> which I hey, still that, believe that, you should do. That guy is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, who uh, produced those? I didn't see that. I don't think. Uh, uh, well, I got it. I got Phillip, it the picture. I don't even is know how Phillip? to say his name. Philippe Philip Bistro Bob. He's got a long name in Canada, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from back in the day. Yeah. Okay. Well, right on. Yeah, they're they're, they're I they, that's gonna be a cool cool looking animals if you can get that to prove out or all that fun stuff. So I honestly think like I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just talking because I for one have not had success with them, but Partially, that is due to my poor personal choices, I think. Hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it's, I really think it's it's more basic than we're making it out to be. I mean, I watched David have five clutches from different unrelated parents, and I just I would just dig into him every day. What did you do? What did you do? What should I do? What should I do? And the the advice is so basic, and I'm like. All right, and then at one point when I didn't really know, I'm like, all right, so he's telling me he got lucky. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, come yeah, to I mean, find I out, think... it, it it wasn't really that, but we're we're keeping them lean, mm-hmm. we're breeding them at an older age. A, a scrub is not something that you can breed at three years old, like a carpet. Or I, I'm sure, what is what's the youngest ball python to breed? A year and a half? Or oh two? God, like a boys are breeding it like what? Four months, six, seven months. months. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> right out of the egg. You keep them lean. You wait till they're a little bit older. Um, and really, the best luck that I've seen is dropping them really cold. I couldn't wrap my head around that. I look at Indo being an equilateral area and not a lot of temperature changes. Um, and then at one point, we got into this big debate of where are these 
temperature is actually coming from. Well, they're coming from you sure. know a weather station in the city. They're they're not in the trees. They're not down in the dirt. They're not they're not in the woods. Um, and David, you know, David's best years, there were times where he was hitting the sixties with them. And right. those nights were the nights where he saw the the most lots. So they can take and those were the years where he had the the best results. And is he doing that every night? No. I mean, you're you drop them down one night, you you get them nice and warm the next day, so they don't get sick from it, and and you kind of sporadically go go that route. And to me, that is kind of how I was taught traditional python breeding to be. I mean, I maybe didn't get them down into the 60s, but to me, that's kind of back to the basics. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, as um, you were talking before, my thought was that the big ask is not of the critters, but it's of us in terms of being patient, you know, and doing, not overdoing it, not being overzealous, either in our feeding or heating um, or in our attempt to breed them, you know, before they're really ready to go. That's that's the thing with this tricky stuff, or at least some of this tricky stuff, and I think the scrubs are in that box, is that it's really more of an ask of us as keepers in terms of saying, be patient. Everyone else is producing all this cool stuff, and like you, Chris, you're sitting there with 30 really awesome things, all of which are doing nothing. <laughs> you know, exactly. you got to write it out. Produce something in like seven years. Yeah. He, 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 usually right around like my egg season, Chris is usually texting me going, here you guys are again with your eggs. Here I am with goddamn nothing. It's like, so, uh, you know, but that's why hopefully when the payoff happens that he gets all these scrub clutches, it's like, mm. you, you, what, what was the last thing you did produce? Um, what was it, the the Stimson pythons or the, the albino monocles? Uh, well, no, it was probably albino monocles. I mean, but, but like, if we're not counting colubrids, because remember, you did have that uh, chick with uh, the, 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 those white-sided bull snakes and those albino oh, bull snakes. snakes. Yeah, I don't, I don't count yeah. those. Okay. Oh, come so on then, now. Yes, we don't need to have this anti, anti-colubrid stuff going on here. I don't, don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's. I mean, I like a little bit of everything, but to me, they were, I, I didn't do anything. I just threw them together and they laid eggs. Like, there's a lot of colubrids out there that, that look really cool and are probably more challenging. I've just never kept any of that stuff. Right. Right. Like, so, Rob, yeah. your, your biggest thing for the colubrids, is that the rhinos, or is that just all I've really heard of? No, I, well, I've done a whole host of different things, and actually, I wanted to at some point get into get into it with Owen because I just got a big uh, big thing that would fit his fancy. But, uh, yeah, mostly the rhinos. And I tell you what, man, even those, they, uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're super hardy snakes. But even, you know, producing them consistently, I feel like I gave away all the tricks of the trade. And now, I've, you know, I'm sitting like you where I told everyone what to do. They're all having success, and I'm sitting here going, I don't have anything on the ground, you know. So, I, I, you know, it's a mixed bag. <laughs> have you um have you ever produced anything in, in involved like a wet season in it? Hmm. I had well, a, I ran a the lot of luck. On the... Yeah, go ahead. I've had a, a lot of luck with with different species and maybe some weird things. Like I had a I bred Javan spitting cobras before, and I don't know if that's Nobody else could do it or nobody else cared to because they, they sucked. Because you've taken a cobra uh, and now given it rain. Yes. No one wants to deal but, um, with this. Yeah, the the cooling didn't work. The um the, the the 
the life cycle, all that stuff, pairing them, splitting them up, pairing them again, adding another male. None of that stuff did anything. And then I was, I was pretty much warming them up and giving up. And I missed them real heavy one night. And that was the first lock I ever saw. And then I talked hmm. to this guy, Brad McCarthy, I think. He actually does the Hamburg show. He lives out in, like, the Pittsburgh area. Um, and he was like, yeah, he's like, dump buckets of water in there. So I just started, I, like, monsooned them. And they were they were just breeding in, like, puddles of water. Interesting. And I started applying that to everything. And I don't know if it actually worked or other things worked. And it was just a neat feature. But it worked with some other venomous stuff that I did. It worked with the... Uh, I did it with Doomrolls boas, and I don't really think it impacted anything, but I just developed a habit, and, and they bred, and then Hog Islands and Simpsons Pythons, and I just kept throwing it in, and now I don't know what worked and what didn't work. Uh, sure. Which I think is yeah, probably no, I mean, our biggest thing for all of this. Right. Like, David, like, I was just talking to David for, like, almost two hours about this, and he does rely heavily on that, that cold weather drop, Right. But at the end of the day, we're kind of all still of the opinion of there are so many things that go into this that we just don't even know. Mm-hmm. We, we, yeah. we don't. We still don't know what it is. We we have a lot of things that we're trying, and when you try all of them at once, you can be successful. But if you narrow that down, we we don't know what it is. So he's talking about taking a lot better notes and readings and stuff like that and I've always been terrible at that but it makes a lot of sense I guess we all should be doing it right right yeah I mean I think it makes a lot of sense you know I know Eric and I have talked about this quite a bit and he's talked about it on the show and now this is the third time that we're hitting on this topic is I think there's probably just a whole host of different things that you can do whether it's food cycling or light cycling or the heat cycling or the moisture cycling all these different things and I think if you're running as many of those as you can that you're just maximizing your chance of success even when as you say maybe we're giving them temps that aren't you know, don't actually mimic what they would see in their natural condition, recognizing the issue with where our temp recording station is versus the collection point and all those different things. But they're actually more extreme, right? So if you're running stuff 13 hours light in the midsummer and eight hours midwinter, and it's actually from, you know, an equatorial area where maybe it goes 11 and a half to 12 and a half or something like that over the course of the year by pushing it further, you're just exacerbating that, the pressure. And if you do that across food and water and um, temps, you know, all these different factors that we can try and implement, maybe we're actually, we'll get lucky. You know what I mean? Somewhere along the way we'll hit something and they say, oh, okay, that feels, that actually is enough of a trigger, even if we go, quote, too far, as long as we're, as you say, giving them the opportunity to warm up during the day and that stuff. I think um, another big thing in general, and I think I've heard it, I think I've heard Eric say it a couple times, probably you guys. I was just talking to Scott Borden about it, I think, yesterday. Um, a lot of people just keep their stuff too hot to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I've seen you. people with, like, 90 spots on their pythons, and I just don't know what needs that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I say that I'm mostly making fun of old Owen, but uh, mm-hmm. at the same time, I was just, for the anniversary deal, listening to Troy, Troy K 
in his show and he was talking about the high temps that they would offer for their basking spots, but they were offsetting it by offering, you know, putting them in a big enough space that you could actually give them a proper cool relative to that. So you're not just constantly exposing the thing to those temps. Um, so I think if you, if you do that, if you have everything, you know, if you have a four foot or a three and a half foot snake in a six foot cage, you can crank it up to 98 or a hundred. If on the other side, it can genuinely, you know, get down to 73, you know, I think that works. Yeah, that's, most yeah, that's true. Do that, pretty much you know. give them a range of options. Um, we like I to think we do the, that, but the topic thing of uh, of the show, I guess, and I don't have a lot of experience with this. Although I think that David does it for the most part, is the the, the ambient room temp. Yeah, I wanted to definitely talk about that. You said that David is now just heating his entire room, and no hot spots in the cages. Yeah, I think there's kind of a long-term picture of using hot spots maybe for gravid females to warm them okay. up a little bit more. But as a whole, I mean, he's had stuff for, for quite some time now just on ambient room temp, and they're they're growing, they're eating. Um, uh, earlier this year, he, you know, threw a pair of barnecks together and no real intent to breed just to see if there was some interest and, you know, there was, and he got a couple of locks, and it just seems like everybody's doing really well with that, and I don't, I don't know what to feel about that, because that's not necessarily a natural mimic, but it's working, so I don't, what do, what do you think? Well, obviously, he can't, there's no way you could have the room uh, where, like, you know, if you, obviously, the, the temps aren't completely accurate all the time there's going to be some fluctuation in the room itself correct yeah 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 there there will be so that's um, probably more to a naturalistic set than what we do with all our hot spots and heat panels and crap but what is the temp that dave is set in the room to i think he's right around 85 jeez and that is and then he has a humidifier in there, and I think that's set to, to 50 or 60% humidity. Um, it's god-awful to work in there. I'd almost rather pay for the heat panel. <laughs> I was about to say. So Dave's not dead yet, right? We, we've checked on this. So, you know, I, it's got to be disgusting down there. No, but it, it, he'll open the door and cool it down a little bit while he's working, but everybody responds to it. Now, I don't know, I don't know how I would feel about an ambient room temp, and feeding a really large meal. Right. Right. But we're kind of maintenance feeding as smaller food items, you know, more farther in between, and I think that they they process that really well. I've never seen – I've had more stuff get sick than he has using hotspots. Hmm. Now, granted, I mean, I've imported a lot of different things, and that obviously brings in its sure. unique issues where – He's kept the same group of animals for quite some time, so I guess I'm dealing with some different stuff. But, yeah, he's just been really, really consistent with it. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, can't it remember toasty for all the time, but that's interesting. Now, I do think if the, the room goal is, is 85, I don't think that necessarily the whole – I don't think all areas of all of the cages are at 85 when – 
you know, a, right. a space okay. heater or room yeah. heater says 85. Sure. Yeah, that's going to have a, so you I, know, a gradient from front to back exposure or whatever it might be. Sure. Yeah, so I, I guess maybe it does, you know, provide some difference. I think the, the biggest difference, though, is that there's just not that – there's not that 87, 88, or whatever hotspot on anybody. So, hmm. what what what's Dave's approach going to be for breeding? Obviously, he's not going to drop temps, or is he going to drop temps through the entire room? Uh, there will be. I mean, there's definitely going to be some temp drops. I just don't mm-hmm. know how exactly it's going to work, and. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know how you get that cold to begin with. I mean, I guess open a window in the wintertime. Maybe, nope. or, or turn off the heater and let your basement naturally get down that cold. But uh, So he's putting everybody through the winter, including yeah, babies he's, he's that aren't even the young food. stuff, too. Yeah. Jeez. Well, well that helped the food bill. So. It does. <laughs> It does, and if you figure, like, that kind of makes sense if you think about it. I mean, we do it for breeding purposes to try to acclimate them to their climate, but when we're trying to mimic natural habitat, if the adult breeders aren't finding food in the wild, I don't think that the yearlings are either. True. True. And I think it's Eric starts doing that. It's a god-awful patience growing these things up, man. <laughs> <laughs> and you picked all of them. You picked the white lips and the scrubs. You've got that god awful patience for all the things. I know they're just so cool, though. I'm glad I, I got these pair of, of black white lips from uh, from Ryan Young, and they're just they're super chill, unlike those monsters that we had in the past. <laughs> the the ones that I had to separate at like 3 a.m. when they were killing each other. Yes, yeah, I remember them. Yep. So <laughs> thank God they're gone. <laughs> so. Um, Your yeah. So along that same yeah, that's exactly where I was going on. So along that same line, so you talked about what Dave is doing. What what are you keeping stuff in now? What are you doing temp wise? And what is that the, you know, if you're just growing out stuff, what's the plan going forward? Or where are you at with your room in terms of what you're what you're doing caging wise and then temp wise? Um, right now, I don't. My room is not as big as I would like it to be. I'm actually moving at the end of the month. I bought a house, um, yeah. and I'm going to convert convert part of a garage Excellent. into a room. So the the size is still waiting waiting to be seen. Um, David has these really awesome. They're six by three by three cages, and they they subdivide, and they're they're really sweet. I'd like to get up into something like that someday, but uh, right now, I have uh, some of my bigger stuff. They're in like a like a 48 by 30, like 20 inches tall. Now, when I say bigger stuff, my biggest scrub is still maybe maybe nine feet, maybe eight and a half feet. Right. So when I when I say I, I keep them small, there. What's that? And that's Barnex stuff. Yeah, and I think I don't even think that Wilmina is that big either. Um, and this is, these are, let's see, seven, eight, maybe seven, seven or eight-year-old animals. Yeah. And I would say they, they probably have like a, maybe like a two-and-a-half-inch girth. Okay. Is 
has been kind of the, the rule of thumb, I guess, we've come to, I guess, for, for breeding size for some of the bar neck stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I have them set up with that, and I have, I have shelves in there. I know a lot of people use perches. I don't have the damn patience for perches. <laughs> I don't. Cause they get up there, and they grab on, and they start yeah. acting like assholes, and then I just close <laughs> the cage and walk away. <laughs> so and I've seen shelves people, over perches. I've seen people yeah. yank them off perches and totally wreck their spines and stuff. So I've, I'm always trying to be really patient with that. And I, at that point, I just gave up on perches and, and went to shelves, and they use them just as much. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this stuff is, you know, can be, it seems to me they can be sitters rather than kind of a chondro perch, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's got more like yeah. a rough scale than like a chondro, you know? Certainly that's what I see in the homes. Yeah, I, I would how, agree. How many of those do you have now? Oh, just got down to the, what, the that big female, you know? Okay. Um, <laughs> lost uh she killed a male, or at least uh, I think it was in. Certainly, she took a big shot on him, but it was kind of inadvertent. Had one uh, pin himself on some cork bark and drown himself, which was frustrating. I think I told you about that at Carpet Fest. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean they they are. You know, I've had a whole dozens of those come through. Mostly, as I say, just kind of cleaning them up and moving them on, and then the ones that I've held for a while and that striper that. Uh, was one of very I, I can only recall two things that didn't survive shipment one Molinas monitor and then uh, and that little striper out to Julie and that yeah that was a shame you know um, because that that was something something else although we got another one I think Joseph Tolsky or somebody had one that kind of caught my eyes saying oh, maybe that's a, a variant on that same same trait same thing but. Uh, now I got a yeah, I got I mean, a big female from cool. him like a month before carpet fest. Did you? And how's that doing? She is. This thing is not like any home I have ever seen. Um, are yours? Every one I've owned before was pretty mild mannered. This thing is a monster. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean I've seen them both most everything they... aggressively. Uh huh. And that's yeah. never been my experience either. Yeah, I've seen it with them. You know, I think what it's probably actually a good sign because when I tend to see it with them is when they're feeling it's not a, a skittishness. You know, and some of the stuff you see, what, talking about colubrids, some of the stuff Owen likes, you know, you yes. see it, but it's a skittish <laughs> response. You know, to me, when I see it in the homes, is actually when they're feeling comfortable in their environment and they're kind of saying, hey, come at me, bro. You know, this is my spot, not yours, and I'll, <laughs> I'll hold my own. Um, so I actually, with the home, oh, she's really I agree with too. you. She won't, she doesn't run. Yeah. <laughs> she, they're not running. Yeah. No, they're coming. They'll come through a leather glove. They're, they're coming, man. You know, no doubt. It's, uh, I don't so know if no, you, if I see that in a home, that's good. Have you had other, do you have other shrubs? Uh, well, I've kept a whole host of things. I don't have anything at the moment, but, uh, they're certainly my favorite in that bunch, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious what the homes, to, go where you will and I'll follow. Teeth, the Holmes teeth uh-huh. are bigger than a bigger barnex teeth. Really? Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah, Oh yeah, brother. Why? That's the funny Why thing. Why have these? You, you wear a, uh, as I say, wear a leather work glove. She'll come right through it, dude. Not even a question. 
I mean, you're going to be bleeding either way, but at least she won't come back again. You know, she'll just kind of bite and hang on, and, and you're good to go. Oh, but uh, just pull them out by She tagged my flip-flop the other day and almost got my big toe. I would have screamed like a uh, baby. That, what the hell are you doing in flip-flops? So, I don't know. You know I'm, with you, but I'm with you, man. Flip-flops First are the way problem. to go. I'm with you. <laughs> I'll get out of here, Owen. Come on. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll go back to my, you know, roughies. But yeah, she'll, she'll yeah, come go back out to your of the cage corner. and chase down a meal. So I'm really impressed. Uh-huh. That's not like any other one I've had before. No, to me, that's a great sign. I think you're going to do fantastic with that because that, with me, that's always meant, hey, man, this is something that actually is acclimatized really well. And it's going to, you know, it means business. So it makes it a little more challenging because I agree with you. I've had others where you pull them out of the bag, literally, you know, I'll go up to cans, pull them out of the bag, and they're not doing anything. And it kind of actually concerns me, you know, as opposed to what you're talking about, that big girl. Yeah, it's her spot, man. You're just a visitor. I'll tell uh, tell Cam you want 20 of them, and I'll split them with you. (laughs) (laughs) I, I For whatever, I wonder if the, I mean, it happened before, right? If we go back, what was it, seven or eight years, they had the, you know, internal or local issues there, and that it kind of caused a crimp in the supply. And I kind of wonder if we're not in the same spot, because I don't think it's a question of demand. I think he'd, he'd sell them if he could, but I, I've only seen less less than one handful in the last, I don't know, 18 months, something like that. And I don't even think those were list critters. I mean, they already had a place to go, and I just happened to be there on the day that I saw them. You know what I mean? Um, So I think it's, if I had to guess, and this is not, you know, it's just my somewhat informed opinion that I would think it's a supply issue rather than a, you know, just saying, hey, dude, you know, I'm telling you I'll take 20 if you can do them. This is not, you know, Colignathus subradiatus, you know, it's not some little uh, rat snake no one cares about. This is this is the opposite problem, I I think. That's my guess. Yeah, I could I could see that, and it's weird because that stuff seems to go in cycles anyway. No doubt. What's I mean, available? yeah, what's available and what's what's the hit thing, and for whatever reason, mm-hmm. the scrubs seem to be the well, seem to be the hit thing. I say just as I was saying that, it reminds me of earlier. You're talking about the Moluccans and. I remember I used to get baby Moluccans, you know, captive patch Moluccans from the farm, just fresh, beautiful little multicolored babies, right, as they come out. Yeah. And that used to be a thing. Ten years ago, every year I'd get some of those. Same thing with the tannin bars. And I think I think I have seen those a couple times in the last handful of years. But, you know, it, we don't see them to the same degree. And I don't know if that's a, a Vladimir thing or if that's a – I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what that's about, but and um, I'm the with you. that I've seen haven't the muckins that I have seen that have hit the market. They haven't been like when, when Chris and I bought the the group that we bought. They were babies. I mean, they, right. they yeah, the no, that's what we, I'm talking about. Fresh yeah, baby babies, you know. Fresh baby babies. That was babies, like these Timors like, I got, man. You know, the uh, fresh baby babies just having that first shed, beautiful little. That's fucker, what I want. You know? I want fresh Timor babies. Well, that's the thing, man. You, and you got to get them like that. I got some that yeah. had come from Cam, but went to Bob Clark. I mean, this was 12 years. This was the first time I had them 12 years ago or whatever. And they, uh, so I got them secondhand, paid out the nose, you, you know, even three times what I paid now. And man, they, uh, you know, I held those things every day because I had 30 or 40, you know, like Chris, 
the same collection size that Chris has. And, mm-hmm. you know, I held those things every day, and they were the sweetest little things. And then I went away to school and – uh well, not meaning prison, like my grandmother would would interpret that phrase, but uh, um, you know, held them every day, and then went away to school, and then came back, and they hadn't been held during that time, and sure enough, they were just like you know, just like all the one the stereotype, all all the what you hear about. So, I think that's the key is you know, if you're like me and Chris at this point, and you have twenty, thirty different things, and you can you can put that time in, and I don't know that I, that actually helps with breeding them. But in terms of enjoying right. them on a day-to-day basis, I think it does make a difference. Um, man, they're, they honestly, are critters. I don't, I don't they're think cool I critters. want to get more than that again, other than, you know, babies I I'm with produce. you, man. I don't either. Uh, they're, yeah. I've kept a lot of different species, and these ones, the scrubs are just so much more demanding. Yeah. That That is true. Well, I mean, and that's what makes it hard if you have a lot of stuff. There's no such thing ahead. as spot cleaning with the animal in the cage. No, 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 no. I mean, I do that still, but it's not a good idea. No, it's not a tolerable idea. It, and that's and this is what do you feel that your extensive work with venomous has prepared you for scrubs? Uh, it definitely has, and it's kind of like one of the reasons that I got out of venomous is because I I, I don't like keeping such a distance, and I was always afraid I. I was never one of those free-handling venomous guys, but in my head, like, I kind of wanted to be. So at that point, I got rid of them and just picked really nasty, non-venomous things that I could take that chance <laughs> on and not die when they, you know. A prudent man, to be sure. Okay. They eventually catch you. Yeah. So. I mean, <laughs> I wish I could have video. David needs to have a video camera in, in his snake room with the amount of dumb things that that have happened there. He has this one really big male named Hannibal. And he is just like really big, really confident. And you put him on the ground and he'll stalk you across the room. And uh, <laughs> I, had him, I had him by the tail and I'm like slowly working up his body. And he sees me, knows what I'm doing. He is kind of being okay. Uh, but then he sprays like a gallon of piss. <laughs> like, a gallon. Like I got soaked, and then he gets a coil around my foot. So I'm slipping and sliding in this piss, and then it's coiled around my foot, so I can't put my foot on the ground. So now I'm slipping and I'm hopping, and he's pursuing me, and I can't get him off my foot. <laughs> we're laughing because we've been there, man. Not we're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you. I'm, I'm laughing. So at I'm like I'm Rob's like doing about. a dance and hopping up and down and trying to swing him away with my foot, and I'm like, I wish I could have replayed this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and this was the this is a bar neck, right? It was a just a big ass scrub. Yeah, really, really big bar neck. <laughs> um, and then awesome. I guess I've. I've, I've proven the theory that there's no such thing as a as a tame scrub uh, as well because he's got one, and I have quite a few that are handleable, but he's got one that's really, really chill, and it's never bitten, it's never mussed, it's never sprayed, it's never done any of that stuff, and it is wrapped around on my hands, and we're just sitting there talking, and it real calmly, real slow, opens its mouth and grabs my wrist and doesn't let go. <laughs> And we're just kind of like Love it. really non-responsive. Like I look at him and he looks at me and we both look at the scrub and he's like, did that just happen? And then well, he like yeah. 
He's like, I'll help you. And he runs out of the room. <laughs> and he comes back with his and he comes back with his camera. Oh man, ah. thanks. Thank you. That's helpful. <laughs> Gotta immortalize it first, sure. Yeah, exactly. God. So uh that, yeah, you also really ridiculed me because I think I got a I got since keeping venomous, I think I got my first hook like two and a half years ago. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. Um so there's there's definitely an associated risk. I don't think that I would ever call some of them tame, like some of the carpets or boas or other things that that I've had. But that's that's what keeps it fun, but time consuming. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, it true. reminds me of keeping ganyasoma. You know, having a lot of ganyasoma, and you know, it's one of those things where it's fun if you only have a collection the size of what you and I have. If you have something the size of what Owen has, it's fun to have one. You know, but yeah. if you have yeah. Two dozen when you have how many Owen has, it's exhausting, you know, and it burns you out. There's no doubt about it. Also, when you have the size collection that I have, you almost want everybody to be on the regulation of being used to the hook. It's why I changed out all my hide boxes to bins that have lids on them. So if they go in it, I have to just pull the bin out, clean the case, put the bin back in. It's like we got to keep moving. I can't wrestle with a snake for 20 minutes every single cage. So, you know, that would be sure. one of those things. I mean, obviously I still have the, uh, the two white lips that are my two gold white lips adults that are monsters and horrible. Um, yeah, and when you do the, when you do the closed bins with scrubs, they rest in the bin with their head about an inch and a half out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they make you think, they make you think that you can go in there and get the bin. <laughs> and every time you think you can get the bin, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna pay for that, buddy bear. You're gonna pay for that? that no, no, how dare you? So, um, and I mean, but I kind of am enjoying. Cause the problem is, is that having been brought into the reptile thing by Chris, and having lived with him throughout uh, part of my college career, I also enjoy the snakes that can be a little flighty and jerky too. Um, like right now, I'm obsessed with my Vietnamese blue beauties. Because all they do all day, every day <laughs> is bluff. I mean, they open their mouth, they puff up their neck, they make horrible little noises. But then when you pick them up, they're a colubrid and they run away. So, you know, and they, they, that's why I love it. I See, love, this is I where love. we're getting into colubrid hate, man. We, we don't need this. Like, okay, I, no, you know, there are colubrids that will stand their ground. We don't, we exactly. don't need to say they're all wimps, okay, man? It's only, we don't it's need only to a matter of time until I There's get There's also some that will bite you in the face while you're trying to teach somebody about snakes. That is, <laughs> it was, um, that was my first, so Chris and I, we had been living together for probably about like, what, like two months. It was freshman year of college and I didn't have any snakes at this point. Um, and Chris was like, Hey, uh, there's a show this Saturday. I got to bring one of my snakes in and it's going to hang out here. And then I'm going to bring it to the show on Saturday. And he brings this gorgeous leucistic Texas rat and yeah. he's holding it. He's holding it in his hand. It's flat in his hand. And he goes, he, and, and it's like, this is the first up close thing with a snake I'd ever been in. And he's like, yeah, you know, dude, he's cool. Check him out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he looks awesome. And then Chris goes, yeah, he's my buddy. He says that the second he finishes, the thing nails him right on the chin. Like, I mean, it just, 
fights him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very funny that you're saying that in the context of Texas rats, which are notoriously crazy, having produced those myself from the new leucistic line for Mineral Wells, Texas. Yeah, no, man, those those are notoriously a problem. So that's really, that is bleeding. funny. He's bleeding everywhere, and he's like, oh, that wasn't good. It's like, yeah, that, yeah no joke. Funny. Yeah, oh, it's Texas rats bit you. You know, that's a surprise. <laughs> but, oh, my goodness. But like I said, it's only a matter of time before I get Karibo because I want the big-ass Calibre that just doesn't take shit from anybody. So, sure, you want a Calibre that's actually really fun. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, it's either that or a false water Cobra, but people keep telling me I'm not allowed to play with those. So, yeah, uh, the false yeah, water are a little too I don't know, man. I had some nasty ones before Colorado got really hardcore about that stuff. But um, no, man, I I'm with you. The uh, yeah, oh, and best best to avoid that. The Moosrana, I know you have the attraction. There are other things that won't put you, you know, put you in the hospital, man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, buddy bear, you just don't need that. Yeah. Um, one one thing that jumps to my mind, and I know you're gonna love this, Chris, going back down memory lane here. Um, in terms of we talked about the homes being super calm from the wild, the same was true of black white lips, with one exception. There was one big female out of Cam's place, and this is when he uh, just started yelling at me, "Get the mop and stop bleeding on my floor." There was a big seven and a half foot black that had come in, and I, she was so you know totally chill up until you know she felt something twitch on the back of my head and put her you know. Put her put herself on the back of my head, which really hurt. Um, oh. Black white lips are the same way, you know, where it's like they just seem so calm, and then one little wrong twitch, man, and the next thing you know, you got a seven and a half foot black white lip constricting the back of your skull. You know, that oh my goodness. My first introduction to those was uh, we had gone to Chris's house for the weekend, and he opened up the bin, and that and it, he had a big black face white lip that just poured out of the tub. And then chased him around the room. <laughs> so it was like that was my first interaction with those. And so I always took them as being psychotic, nasty things. I was surprised when we started getting like really nice, chill, calm ones. So uh, yeah, but, I mean that that was my experience with them. Is all the wild caught? It's the captive. You talked about the wild caught versus captive bred dichotomy yeah. before, and. Man, I'm telling you, with Holmes and with, uh, well, not that we know wild caught versus captive bred, but certainly with the black white lips, you know, golds are always. That is a major my, difference. My experience, they're always, a, a, you know, they're always yeah. a train wreck, um, either with each other or with you, but the uh, whether they're babies, adults, whatever it might be. But the blacks, man, those wild caught big adult blacks, just totally chill. Just like the home stuff that you see, you know, on those fresh imports. You just reach in there and grab them, no issue. And then you make the mistake of setting them around your shoulder because you're just so impressed with how beautiful they are, and they uh, they tell you how they feel. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, we're um, I mean, I guess we're kind of circling with this, and the question exists about the Moluccans, but even more the Holmes. What do you what do you what do you think the problem is there with producing them? Like with the well, Moluccans, a lot yeah. of people got really really close. With the Homs, what is the closest we've got? Have you did were you close at one point? Well, I thought it was. You know, she darkened up and I thought I had something going there. I know I was sending texts and Eric, you know, every night, different pictures, you know, when the lights would go out and this stuff. I wasn't doing the U V at that point. And certainly, I mean, I saw 
a handful of locks, and I had a, uh, this was two seasons ago, had the male and the female just constant. I mean, they spent four or five months just intertwined doing that same roughy sit, you know, on the, mm-hmm. the cork bark in that setup. And I thought, okay, you know, now, now I'm hitting it. And I was even doing, I had looked at the weather in Halmahera um, in terms of the rain, because as you talked about, and I don't have it in front of me, but, you know, we're talking a real tight temperature parameter. And again, we, I had looked at Galela, which is supposed to, so that's the northern part of the island, that lowland northern part of the island, which is where they're supposed to be coming from, at least theoretically, right? That's where those skinning stations are that they're pulling them to. Um but I don't know. We can't. We don't have more accurate than that, right? But so for the rain there, I had looked at it and said, okay, for every you know 0.02 inches of rain that I see, I looked at it for a year and said for every 0.02 inches of rain, I'm going to call that one second of misting, you know, and followed that procedure through. And I think that um, I think certainly that's not wrong. She did get dark. She didn't get uh, OKC Zoo dark. Um, you know, Blake sent me those pictures and stuff, and I really appreciate that. I wish – I know he's got youngster or possibly youngsters at this point. Um, yeah, Owen, unlike you, he's a proven breeder. Just want to put that out Ouch, there. thank um, you very much. You know, <laughs> well, we naturally float into that question. Um, yeah. You know, um, the he sent me those photos, and certainly she was not that dark. You know, as far as I know – those infertile eggs. I mean, man, they looked good. You've seen those too, I'm sure, Chris. You know, those they yeah. look they're pearly white and they look great. Um, but nothing came nothing came from those. I think they they were not fertile. It was not just an MI question. Um, I think Phil that we talked about before. I assume she just got bound up. You know, those might have been good, but I think she bound up based on the sequence of things and not yeah. hearing about stuff and whatever at this point. Right. Um. And then, you know, one interest, everyone talks about that uh, Daniel Natouche paper in light of the Condro stuff, but, and then, you know, Chris, you're like me, you're a scrub python guy, and you read that, you're, one thing catches your eye, and he's got some egg sizes on uh, on homes. And, you know, I asked after that, I said, hey, what's the story here? Um, and, you know, he said, no, that's, and I said, well, those never came to KT's place, what's the deal? And, you know, he said, no, I'm standing by that. That's legit. Those eggs existed. And I, I didn't know what to make of that. I don't know if those were my 05 critters or, or if there was something else. I asked Vladimir back, uh, you know, RIP about those. Um, and we even had the uh, Bishkek connection, and he did not uh, – didn't want to get into that. So I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of that. Maybe there have been some things that have, have actually worked out that we just don't know about, certainly not – if that's in situ, not here. Um, I don't know, man. I think it's the same as all the rest of the stuff. I think people just – certainly the rep for them, I think, goes back to 15 years ago when we were first getting them that, you know, those things were on – A, there was conflict. B, they were on boats. They're sitting there getting dehydrated, getting some kidney damage, and that's why they just roll on folks. I don't think they really do that at this point, you know, and I know Cam doesn't get um, – like he's he tells him he only wants them sub three and a half or four foot or whatever. So maybe that's part of the availability question. That's probably part saying, of the reason he's not getting them. Yeah, because yeah, every you know just because it's very you know, rare to see one that small. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, and I've seen him. As I say that that girl, you know, we're talking about. You've seen those pictures from when she was little, right? She's sitting on a four-inch terracotta saucer. 
you know, yeah. and she's not filling that whole space. You know, it's those were the smallest I've seen. I sent those to Dave, and he didn't want to use them for the book because, you know, I didn't have any beautiful Barker picture shots. You know, all my stuff had, mm-hmm. you know, it was tub shot. The, the the dreaded tub shot. Man, looking back in history, I wish I had a better camera and uh, a little <laughs> uh, little setup where I could take stuff because I've had a lot of critters. Um yeah. But uh, you get in the calendar with tub shots. I mean, it, that's, yeah, that's man, rule number you one. Know, yeah, that is rule number one. And I, I tell you what, for this whole time, I think I've pretty much failed that. Although I'm confident that I'll get in <laughs> next year with a uh, MI ball python clutch that I'm about to hatch out here in the Stop next it. week. So yeah, that, no. That'll be the Y'all one, had that'll chance. be the et cetera winner going into this year. So uh, I'm already feeling good. Bill Stegall was on pop her and into, Eric uh, screwed it up. So no. Ain't happening. No, man. This this is my first shot. This is my uh, this will be my first submission. I'm gonna pop her. You know, she's not sitting on it now, but I'll I'll pop her into a, a little setup over here with some cypress, little uh, oak leaf situation going on. And uh, yeah, man, we'll see if we can't get some mi ball pythons in there that I'm keeping for a buddy of mine and happen to produce. But uh, over which is very cool. But the mi thing is very cool. Well, we'll see, buddy bear. We'll see. Tinley, we could work on that at Tinley. Ah. Um, but Chris, I mean, I don't know. Coming coming back to the focus as to whether it's happened yes, before. The homes could I really know. be the selection of animals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do think that's the big issue, and, and that's why what, we've had you know, what so he's doing many choices. Right, and we've had captive hatch. We've had this stuff. You know, I I think that is the big difference. I think they're a high stress thing. You need to get them small, mm-hmm. and you need to keep them continuously, and you just need to be patient. You know, and that's that's hard, and that's, I think, been the thing. Early on, as I say, I think it was the shipping stress, kidney damage, all those things, and that's why they'd roll. At this point, I think if you actually got two-footers, you know, and you kept those things, I mean, that's like that girl. You know, she came the size of a hatchling carpet python. You know, you get them that size, and you keep them, you keep them 10 years in your one spot. You don't move. You and you run them through all of the things, whether it's food, temperature, humidity, cycling, all these different light cycling, all those those four or five factors, right? And you do all those things, you're going to produce those things. Not even a question to me, you know. I mean, heck, so what you're saying is, is God just needs to these. calm the hell down and he'll get some Moluccans. <laughs> oh yes. yeah, I mean that's crazy. Moluccans, <laughs> ah, whatever, you know. That's you know that's been well, done. Not even a question. He, uh, was you know, no, God close this year. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, yeah. McPeak got close this year. He didn't get his eggs, but he got his female turned real dark. Josh has got a really good um, collection, including the proven male that was once ours, which is a nice kick in the pants that <laughs> he went over to Chad and then proved out. Um, and then, uh, then there's Scott, and it's like Scott. I would say just, just, just put the boy in with the girl and let's see what happens. <laughs> well, certainly that doesn't mean, you know, it'll happen this year, but at no. some point if he does that he and he keeps him consistently and he runs through all those factors and he mm-hmm. does those same things and then nothing weird happens, you know, he doesn't have him catch a tumor or whatever just out of the blue, then yeah, man, eventually a guarantee he'll have success. You know, it's yeah. that's it's the same thing we talked about where it's the pressure is on us in the sense of just being you know, we're impatient human beings, and I think that's been the issue with this stuff, you know, where it's just it's it's hard for us seeing other people doing cool things, and 
especially with those homes, wanting to get first U.S. or first overall, depending on how you take it. People are just too antsy, and then it doesn't work right away, and then they say, oh, man, well, this is actually kind of a lot of work, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I, I think that's been the problem. So yeah. maybe this is my ignorance speaking of, I guess, the, the breeding process as a whole, but what is happening when these animals get really, really dark and we swear they're going, and then poof, it's gone. Right. Well, I mean, to me, I think it's just, so it's the melanocytes, right? So they have, you see it as, well, we see it in the homes. I see it in the Solomon Island tree boas. The, the different stuff that has the ability to move those melanocytes around, either draw them to or flood them to the exterior skin, you know, flood them to those scales to soak up more heat. And I think they're doing that as they build those follicles, but they're not getting... I think in all this stuff that we're talking about, man, the, whether it's the Solomon Island tree boas, the homes, whatever it is, I think those follicles get absolutely huge. Ridgehopus do the same thing. Those follicles get massive. You'd think that things are gravid, and they haven't even ovulated yet, right? And so if they don't, if you don't continue along that path, acting as though nothing's going on, right? Uh, well, somewhere the between acting as though. Well, certainly that was the Rinchofis problem, no doubt. That was that was definitely the issue, you know, and I would think it's – I ran into the same thing with the Australis, you know, where you, you say, man, this thing's got to be gravid. Oh, it, and it's just shed, but that could be a pre-ob shed. I think they just – they get – those follicles get so big that we look at it and we say we're golden when actually we're just hitting that key window. And that's why I think, mm -hmm. you know, Justin's spot on the money in terms of saying I need to stop saying that I know what's going on and I know what's best, right? Stop dictating and say, and that's why I went to keeping the Australis paired 24-7, 365 and saying, you guys, you know, hey, if I if I give you the right prompts and hit it, you know, and I'm able to manage it, that's the issue with scrubs, right, is being able to manage it, especially if you're, you know, you got a big female that's, you know, coming after, owns that spot and is coming after that food, you know, being able to manage a male in there so she doesn't tag him either during the feeding or he doesn't go for it and then she swallows the rat and him. Or, you know, 30 minutes after that food in, food's in there, she smells it in the air and he twitches and she goes after her. You know, if you can manage that, I think that's uh, that's the ball game, man. I really do. Getting good animals, you know, running them through the things that we know work. And then if we're not sitting there saying we know what's best in terms of pairing them up and pulling them and these sorts of things, because, I mean, heck, dude, I've made that mistake. Uh, I wish no one else would make that mistake because I've made it enough myself, you know. Yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. I mean, is, is that how – I imagine that would be something that would be kind of on a little bit more of a scarier side because, I mean, I – you have my own problems with the carpets when they're paired together as well as the liasses. I mean, every once in a while, a female will try to, especially the white lips. Um, I'll, like say I'm feeding the babies and the scent of food is in the air. The female will nail and wrap up the male. They tend to usually separate themselves after a little bit, but with scrubs, that would be, you know, that, that miscue of a, you know, if it hit to somewhere else, I tried to tear my bar neck three times last year, and she tried yeah. to she tried to kill him. Well, Chris, how do you yeah. feel about separating to feed, or do you feel that's too much too much stress for them? That was a question that Brandon just put in. Uh, I think it's worth a try. I mean, they're 
they're really hardy animals. They're they're going to be willing to eat under almost every circumstance. Uh, so I think it could be a possibility. I I don't know that I have the guts to keep them together. Okay. To, to me, I don't I don't know if I would try it, but I don't think it's impossible. I think Not I just about. have a a laundry list of other things I want to try to do before I before I risk that one again. Do you think that, that the stress of moving them would cause them to not breed? What's that? You think the stress of moving them around, like separating them to feed and then reintroducing, would that cause them to not breed? Or do you think that that separation uh, is like pulling a female for a day or two and then putting her back in, that might actually get you to get them to copulate more? Yeah, that's how I would relate that one, honestly. I think that separation... Uh, is good, and that's not to say that keeping them together couldn't work because I've I've seen it work in several species, but I've definitely seen, and maybe this is just a way to prompt them so we can see it in front of our own eyes, and maybe it's not actually any different. Pulling the male when he seems quote unquote bored for a day or two, and then throwing him back in immediately sparks interest again. Um, uh, now, yeah. would, when you're keeping them around the clock, that could simply mean. Things are happening that you're just not seeing. Right. And it's more sporadic. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you, and I think that makes some sense. My concern with that is always just, and I've seen it, you know, getting the boy back in there without her tagging him is is tricky. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I suppose all of that's that the on the size of the cage, you know. But that, that, I've that's actually pulled her out and put them both back in at the same time. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Because she's not sitting there to be defensive. And I don't like bugging them and stuff like that, but to me that was like the the most risk-free thing I could do. <laughs> sure. Uh, mainly because the, the pair I was trying to do, uh, well, two different pairs that I have tried, um, the females were very, very defensive animals to begin with. So that's where, where my fear was. I don't know if a more laid-back animal would be different, but in those cases I actually pulled her and, reintroduce them on opposite sides of the cage. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, you know, I, I, but I think you're you're correct in that you have to do something like that. I, at the same time, I think what you're talking about is separating them for a day or two. I don't think that's yeah. a huge deal. I, the, the thing that I think causes folks to miss stuff, whether it's the Renchopis or me with the Australis or whatever it is, is saying the horse is in the barn, I'm good to go. I'm not putting him back in there two days later. I think, you know, having him out for a day or two, as long as you can get him back in there safely or put them back in together, I think that's mm-hmm. fine. You know, I don't I don't think that undermines the issue that I'm trying to address by keeping them together. I think it's saying, no, oh, man, look, it's as big as a house. You know, she's really, you know, her rear 40% is three times larger than, you know, and so she 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 just she okay can she shed and she must be gravid and eh, not so buddy bear I've I've missed out myself you know from those circumstances so now what's uh I think that's what's your the thoughts on on me moving I think it's gonna mess well, you up buddy I mean, well it works both ways right we see the same right. thing where the change is only good thing you know it's it's another change you know and as long as they're super comfortable. Maybe it works. You know, I, I've i run through that doing the whole rental gig myself. I think buying a place, you 
you know, you're settling in for the long term, and I think that's a good move, you know. And who knows? Maybe this year that change actually stimulates them. Or if it doesn't, well, heck, man, there's always next year they've gone through that change. You hit your you hit your factors, and, you know, by the time you come around to that next year, maybe it's the difference. Certainly with regular stuff, I think what Owen said is correct. You know, oh, that's not a great sign. But for sporadic or, you know, problematic stuff, who knows? Maybe <laughs> maybe that's the answer, right? <laughs> toss them out in a yeah. hurricane or it's move them, you know? Well, maybe, maybe if it's not working, I'd put them in a bag and drive around the block. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I Who mean, it's, to me, it's what Eric and I talk about all the time. Where the natural, you know, you talked about Planet Earth earlier, uh, Planet Earth Two. You know, every time I think about that, the the thing that hits me is how many factors there are that are beyond our comprehension. Right. We make it simple, but in reality, right. all these things are tied together, and there's so many contributing factors that we kind of lose it. You know, we we can't. Honestly, we can't even contextualize it, understand what all those things mean. And I think, you know, you just have to play it out and see how it goes. But I, I certainly wish you good luck. Um, I hope you have lots of baby scrub pythons. You know, because we, we need more of that. I was, you were talking earlier, and I think Owen had asked you about the difference between captive, and I know David's had a bunch of the Parnex stuff, but you were talking about the difference between captive bread and wild-cut scrubs. And I was thinking about it saying – Good Lord, I've had 50 scrub pythons. I've never had a captive bred, genuinely captive bred, in, you know, captive bred in the United States scrub python. I've had, you know, captive patch babies, captive bred at the farm, wild caught, all this stuff. And I was going, I couldn't answer that question. I'm glad Chris is here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're, I don't think they're quite as receptive to the change as maybe the white lips have been in our experience. But we also haven't gone too many generations deep, and I wonder if that will play an impact in the future. I, I think it will. I really do. Um, maybe not. I don't think they'll ever be as tame as, like, say, uh, more ball python, but, you know, I do believe that they Hold will on, hold on. I'm putting my foot down right here, right now, because this is <laughs> happening that happens, way too out. much. Yeah, well... That's correct, uh, Chris. I'm with you. But but this whole ball pythons don't bite. They're great pets. They're ten- I'm Unless you're Eric Burke. I mean, no, 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 no. Maybe if you had said unless just, you're a hobbit, then I would have hobbit. to accept Apparently that. it's just hobbit. But, uh, but uh, no, man. That's why. I've, I've been babysitting these, you know, seven, seven uh, ball pythons for a long time. And, dude, I got bit by the chest trying to feed the damn thing the other day. It, it, shot past, it shot past the food item, bit me in the chest, and pulled itself out onto my chest, you know, trying to do a constriction. Um, this whole ball pythons are tame. That's a bunch of hogwash, you know, uh, trying to keep this from going explicit on iTunes. But, uh, uh, yeah, anyway. no, no, man, that is not legit. That. That is sales pitch, nothing else. I had a, I had that that skip the food and chest bite from a green anaconda once. Is that your, is that your boy? Is that your yeah. that one that you loved way more than you ever should have? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did not like that well, tell anaconda. Tell us about it. Well, no, he, he had a green <laughs> anaconda. That one time I came over and it was it was probably the nicest anaconda I'd ever handled. It's totally chill, unless you needed him for something. Like if you were showing him to somebody 
or if you were talking uh-huh. about how chill he was, yeah, I have some recollection that's what he okay. into you. So, like, I'm over uh-huh. there, and I'm over there with my boss from the zoo because we're thinking about buying this anaconda, and I pull him out, and Chris is like, yeah, man, he's dog tame. Right when he says that, it just latches onto my forearm and throws several coils around my arm, and I'm like, well, that's not good. So it's like, <laughs> never mind, and that's just kind of how that was going. It was just bad, dude. So every time you wanted to show off that anaconda, he just ripped into you. Any other time, if you're alone down there, he's like, the calmest thing ever, but yeah, Chris was obsessed with anacondas for a bit, so. <laughs> well, that makes it, that speaks to me, man. I know, I mean, this was back in the day, obviously, before we had the, uh, now we can move them state to state, but, you know, the import's still a problem, so when KT used to get these, they he would get those silvers, those anarthristics. I know Ben Rennick, RIP, had had those as well, um, and I would see those little babies, and all the times they had been pre-sold, and it really yeah. made me sad because those are beautiful, beautiful little blue and yeah. black and gray snakes. I mean, oh, my God. It, it always blew my mind. It made me so sad when he'd say, nah, not going to happen, buddy bear. Um, those are those are really incredible things. The one, you know, I would say one of the few things that I've absolutely never had that, that have always held an appeal to me. And then those those patternless yellows, have you seen those as well, Chris? Yeah, man, they're awesome. They're awesome. They are awesome. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, you know, I think it's just like retics. It falls in that box of, you know, it's certainly not for everyone, and you need to be, you know, making a good good decision, you know, for yourself. But, um, and I wish that were the way, as opposed to the federal, you know, federal legislation or keeping them out of the <laughs> out of the states at this point, you know. But it is one of those things where it's like. Oh my goodness! Those those have always held an appeal to me, and those are one of the few things that, yeah, absolutely have never had at all. Um, so no, super jealous. And I see now, you know, folks are now that they're back open to selling them state to state. You know, I try not to go on fauna because that drives me absolutely up the wall. But um, <laughs> you know, I see people on there trying to sell them for big money. You know, I yeah. guess my my beef with that, you know, and Chris, I'd love to hear your take. Owen, I'd love to hear your take. It's just I don't need to see what random commenter feels about someone's ad. I saw something they were talking about uh, striatus frigilatus, you know, these Bahama boas, right? You know, then said 2015s and they're almost two feet. And, you know, this troll who is a uh, a known problematic person, you know, I, I was like that name that strikes a post mm. and says – Two, they're 2015s and they're almost two feet. What's wrong with you or whatever? Um, yeah. And the name rubbed me wrong. I was like, I think I know who this is. And sure enough, so I ran my own BOI search and I was like, Oh yeah, it is, buddy bear. You're a problem yourself. You're a troll. You're you're not a good dealer. Um, neither here nor there. Sorry, sorry. Don't mean mm-hmm. to get heated about that, but it it really you have a good guy posting some cool animals that are appropriate size appropriate for what they are and then you had random deep breath okay random dude uh not what i wanted to say you know saying you know putting a post on there on this dude's for sale saying what they're not bigger they're 2015s and it's Okay, Who cares back. what you think? Yeah, it's okay. That's, that's yeah, you know, anyway, that, that that's enough. I need to take a break for a second, but I got you, you know, just it, it's very frustrating, and I'm going. 
as much as King Snake hasn't changed in literally the 19 Ever. or 20 years that I've been looking at that page, right. at least it's not with it. random dude saying something. You know? Yeah. It drives me crazy. I, I would agree. Is that you don't need you don't there's certain things you don't need, and I don't need color commentary either. I buy it or I don't. And if you yeah. want to color commentate, email the seller because you know I, I've got yeah. emails from people who are like, "That's not a jag." I'm like, "Well, you have no idea what you're talking about. That is totally a jag." And then they'll be like, "Prove it," and I'll just keep sending them pictures of the parents. It's like there you go. So it's see, oh, and that's but, why you're a good person because you you actually engage <laughs> with these people, and I I do think that makes well, you a compassionate good person because <laughs> yeah, I just you know. Ain't got time for the pain, buddy bear. You know, just yeah, go like, nah, look, after, dude. After a certain point, it's done. So, but anyway, we are in recording time now. So, we, maybe, maybe now we can talk about colubrids. You know, after can. all this time, we can finally hop into some stuff. Let's talk into the colubrids. Yeah, how I want as many Chinese rat snakes as I can. So. No, dude. Yes, so what you name. need, if you want stuff that's going to give you a run for your money and might put yes. its teeth into you, you know, you're saying yes. colubrids just run, they'll bluff and run. You need to get. Yes. Some, have you seen either king rat snakes or, as they used to be known, the name fell out of favor amongst folks who produced them because it had had a bit of an effect. They used to be called stinking goddesses. So they're a lot, or formerly a lot. I'm not sure that they still are. Carinata. Have you dealt with these things? I they're a handful, buddy bear. I've seen king rat snakes, but here's the other thing: that the problem is, I would like to have something that will maybe at one point breed. So oh, these like, things will breed. No, they'll okay. they'll, they'll breed. They get about four like tiger rat snakes. I'm like, fairly heavy. Right. Yeah, spilotes. No, I'm with you, man. And spilotes to me, they they're beautiful, especially yeah. you see. I had a you know, pair of those. I like those a lot. Those yeah. the tigers. I mean, they're they're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I dig the whole super thin body form. You know, Me maybe either. it's it's just a personal thing, but they are beautiful for sure, man. But uh, I'm telling you, King's Rat Snakes are up your alley. They're getting three and a half, King's four rat. foot, heavy bodied, heavy bodied like a fuscus. Um, and man, I'm telling you what, they'll they'll definitely they'll come and they'll. To me, they don't really musk that much. Unlike the stink, uh, you know, unlike what the stinking goddess name would would suggest. But they, uh, yeah. lots of morphs. I know you're a morph guy. Not as much as Eric, but you're a morph guy. You got hypos, yeah. albinos. Yeah. I think I saw a pied, a scale list. Your absolute favorite no. mutation no. of all time. <laughs> and uh, you know they have they have them in there and. Man, I'm telling you what, buddy bear, you gotta have a hook for these things. They're they're coming to play. And they, there was, they don't mind putting in a deer. There was something that I was uh, uh, Outback had them, and I was hoping to see them at Hamburg. And if I and I'm kind of glad I didn't because I would have bought them. They were River Road Gray Banded King Snakes. Uh huh. Well, dude, I've had tons. Well, I had Gray Bands at Tinley, buddy bear. Come on. Yeah, but I didn't no, I them then. <laughs> uh, that's that's <laughs> Trust me, I love gray bands, and I love to me the gray band thing even more than the Condro thing is if you want to go locale crazy. I mean, we're talking about yeah, that. they're not. You could have just as much as Rosie's, you know, Rosie Boas, where you can have yeah. legit. You could have thirty, forty 
literal recognize different things. And hey, I mean now we can talk. You know, we can get GPS coordinates, and it's in country, yeah. right? So you can say, now, dude, here's the dude who collected him. Here's the spot, or I collected him myself, which is tough to do. You got to put in some trips to West Texas, but it's doable. Um, yeah, I think that would be fun. So no, that that would be that's amazing. And there, dude, well, you're about to get plowed with, you know a couple hundred different uh, locality gray band pictures or whatever, if you want them. But uh, <laughs> dude, no, that that's cool. But they're not to me as much as I would love to show you all those different things and say, Hey man, you need three mile West Sanderson. You need five mile East. You need busy cuts. You need, you know, yeah. wherever you want to talk yeah, about that's... buddy bear, we can go there. You know, hmm. that that's totally cool. Lajitas, whatever you, what, butterfly lajitas, whatever you want, man, we can do that. But they're not—they're not for you, man. Those because they don't bite, and they're not big. Like they right. have none of the things that you enjoy. None of the things that I, I, would, I would have like, them and then get bored. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, you, you, They're beautiful, but they're not for you, man. They're—they're they're very cool, but they're not your thing. I can tell you that. Just, you know, not even a question. They're not your thing. What you need, so I just got this big patias mucosis, right? So the oriental rat snake that was always funny to me because back we had gotten our Delta certification in 99 or 2000, and every colubrid to them was patias mucosis because that was, quote, the standard colubrid. And it was right. so funny because I, at that point in time, I literally never saw them, and that was definitely, you know, the KT special where they were available but just didn't want to deal with it, you know, because no one cared. Now we're Nick Mutton. No one cared. No one cares, Um, right. No (laughs) one cared. So my buddy Matthew Most, who you met at Tinley, who does all the cool Asian rats at this point, um, literally, I mean, that's the dude, you know, he's working with Stan Grumbeck on the Mollendorfi. And so if you include that in the picture, he's the dude, um, it just sent me this quote sulfur that he had gotten from, from Dan. It's maybe, I don't know, it's four foot or in that, in that range. And it just, it reminds me like what you talked about, about of a Texas indigo. You know, every time I yes. open the thing, it shoots out, doesn't come all the way out crazy style, but it comes out of the cork bark and, just pokes out and says, you going to give me a mouse, buddy bear? You know, you going to give me something? <laughs> and it's just so cool. The darn thing would eat five out of seven days of the week. You know, it mm. literally has. You know, it'll take a hot – it doesn't like big food, so it doesn't really – it'll get into that weaned, but doesn't want much bigger than that. Um, but, man, every day, you know, that's just the way it operates. And slowly – so he just sent it to me. He had – he's got so much stuff going on. He wanted to create some space, create some time for him. And man, I'm digging this thing. And you would certainly dig these patias. They're giant eyes on these things. You know, bigger than a rough scale proportionate to its head. I mean, we're talking oh, about a third the size there. of the head are these eyeballs. You know, and they're diurnal. And they, man, they're something. He he is so funny. So eventually, hopefully, we'll get a female and toss in there. You want to keep them in pairs. And he had gotten up to four clutches in a year. He didn't breed this one. He had a normal male and a female. And Kind of like a lot of that Asian rat stuff that's super prolific. Um, eventually, his female, after what five, six, seven, eight clutches—I don't remember what it was—had passed away. Um, but uh, you know, just that's just kind of the way they—they they are. They'll, you know, hot and heavy, and then they'll burn through. Um, so he was sitting on a couple males, and this was one of them. And I said, "Sure, man, I got an extra display cage. I'd love to see what he does." And man, it's—it's it's pretty darn cool. Not gonna lie, it's pretty darn cool. I prefer it over a, 
you know, in that same space, I had, you know, 20 things in tubs before, and man, I I dig it. Mm. That's sweet. That's a that's an issue. That's a problem. As Chris will tell you, he always suggests animals to me, and I go no. And then, like a year later, I end up buying them, and he, he goes, gets well, them. "What?" The, the what? <laughs> <laughs> like, that was well, going to be a real problem. <laughs> I'm trying to get Matt on the show for Matthew on the show for you. Yeah. And that's going to be a real problem because you, I know your obsession is the dragon rat snake, <laughs> and Matthew has had the dragon has had dragon rat snakes himself. Matt maintained and kept them, and yeah. is in contact with folks in Germany who produced them. So he's got oh, all. Oh wow. I pitched this show to Eric, and Eric's kind of like, yeah, 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 make it work. And so Matt and I are still going back and forth on on actually making it happen. But it's in the works, Buddy Bear. You don't have to keep tossing it out there. You know, I got you, man. I'm I'm working on it. I'm going to. The problem is (laughs) if I keep annoying Eric enough, he eventually does something that I want. So, you know, that's pretty much what we're going to keep doing. Plus, I well, I think he's booked out this year, man. So maybe maybe in the next year I can get Matt to come on and – Tell you some stuff because it's crazy at this point. So far, the only show that isn't that wasn't booked was tonight's show because he's like, "I'm going on vacation." I'm like, "Wait, what?" So yeah, that was. This is the only. That was really funny. Friend. He told me about that last week. We and I were talking, and he's man, like, man. "Yeah, I haven't told Owen yet. Listen in because I'm going to tell him during the show." And it was hilarious. <laughs> what an ass! I love oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm gone next week. What? <laughs> yeah. They, why? Well, I know why. It's, probably getting me back for several of the things I've put him through this year, but yeah, still, why? He's just giving um, us all a laugh, man. It's okay. I know. So, and he and I finally sent away our paperwork for Tinley. Uh, we know we're going to see Rob. Chris will eventually get out to Tinley, right? Come here. Right, Chris? What's, yeah, you coming or what, man? I'm I'm going to be there. I, well, so what, Matt's going, you're going, Eric's going. What, Do we got space date? in the room, Owen? What's the situation? We got a spot. I'll I think bring it's October first week of uh, October, first weekend first in October, October. October six more or less. Yep. You should be there, buddy bear. So. I mean, we got the room. What last year, Owen? What Matt? You know, I didn't have the tolls. Didn't split the tolls or whatever. But it was like eighty bucks for what four nights? Are you kidding me? Come on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How long did you stay out? Uh, we so go we went out Thursday night through Sunday night. Yeah, so uh, we went out Thursday and then uh, we went out Thursday night and then we drove back on like Monday morning. So we spent all day Monday driving home. Okay, but I and mean the for those four nights eight. it was like eighty bucks. Yeah, because there was that 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 many of us in the room. We're splitting it five ways so, or whatever. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's nothing. And I think I'm going to bring an air mattress this year because I had to sleep on, like, pillows. But, you know, whatever. Best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't rely on Bill to save me every time. So, you know. Dude, when that it comes to very hotels, I'm like, I'm like 21 still. I'll sleep on the floor in a bathtub. I don't care. He's true. That is true. <laughs> so We tried to get Owen in the tub, but he wouldn't do it. He, he insisted on pulling the couches off some, the, some of pulling us the are, uh, seats off the couch. Well, if I was over, I would be way too convinced somebody's going to turn the water on me. Thank you. So, also, (laughs) some of us are taller than others, and uh, the tub was on. Hey, man, the hobbits were cuddling in the uh, pull-out bed, man. No worries. You and listen, I I spooned with Eric at Southern Carpet Fest, so you know I I understand. So, 
There you go. Oh, well, fantastic. We didn't need. There we go. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on that note. Oh, uh, fabulous. Chris, you want to throw out any kind of contact information for anybody who wants to look for you, look for potential babies. Also, uh, what's going on with that, with the band down there in Maryland or Virginia? Where the hell are you and Dave uh, getting? Why don't you get negative on it? It's Virginia. It's a giant pain in the ass. Okay. Uh, they seem like they're siding with us. It really seems like they're doing something behind our back. And every time we get closer to making a decision, they delay it. Okay. Uh, mm. Our biggest struggle is they don't really want to hear from any of us anymore. They really want to hear from Arlington locals. Right. And not only are the amount of actual keepers in Arlington relatively limited, uh, I think that some of the people that are keeping don't want to be known. Because while there's a general outline of what we think is going to happen and what we hope is going to happen, you still don't know what they're going to do. So anybody who's keeping animals at this point, I don't I don't think they want to announce themselves. Get on the radar, sure. Because they claim that, you know, no matter what, there's going to be a grandfather law, this, that, and the other, but they've changed this ruling so many different times that who the hell knows. Um, we seem to be at a pretty good place right now because we've kind of settled on, or we're trying to settle on, uh, that there's actually less restrictions of animals, but more um, accountability to proper caging and things like that so that if there actually was a call from animal control, they have more authority to hold people accountable for not properly keeping animals. Because that's what allegedly prompted a lot of their stuff is, oh, this is happening, this person has this, it looks like this, there's nothing we can do, so let's ban them. Okay. Uh, But you never know. There's a lot of... uh, animal rights groups and HSUS and stuff behind it trying to push the opposite way and their headquarters is very local to Arlington so we're always ready for a surprise mm. so uh, as of I'm, now the decision weekend is September 15th okay and I know that you and Dave had a uh, Facebook pages and stuff like that on there um, getting where can anybody go or do they just contact you and Dave means to uh, get involved with this? Yeah, just contact one of us. I mean, unfortunately, they're they're not looking to... We did get an overwhelming response of people from outside of Arlington uh, that was very helpful, but now that it is kind of closing in, uh, they don't want to hear from us too much, but anything that could lead to somebody in Arlington, even mm-hmm. if they are not keepers, if they're just willing to raise their hand and say, I support this, we need those people. Okay. So if you're in Texas, but your cousin's in Maryland who has a friend in Arlington, like we're that desperate for these people at this point. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we've been thoroughly depressed. Um, right. Thanks, buddy. Hopefully, okay. yeah, hopefully somebody finds that or hopefully you get some help there. Um, Honestly, I think we will. I think people have have remained consistent. We have a couple people that don't even keep reptiles, but they're they're just so against this kind of legislature that 
they've uh, they've been really helpful and um you know, I think it just just matters that we we stick together and we are holding firm on it and I hate to say it if we if we lose something we at least didn't lose what was proposed in the first place. Right. Right, it's time um, to get the, the, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the scary thing is that Arlington, from the reptile community, is not that important. There aren't too many people there, but Arlington, while it is a small city, it's kind of an important one. I mean, it, it, it interlocks a lot with Washington, D.C., and it could be considered a, a role model of what to do next if there's another county considering this. Right. Right. So if you just let them ban this and ban that, and then the next county in Virginia, which is then attached to D.C., which is then attached to Maryland, like this could, this could domino very quickly if you just let them do whatever they want. Sure. So unfortunately, I am not. David's in Virginia, but he's not in Arlington. I'm in Maryland. I'm not in Arlington. So to some extent, they're tired of talking to us. Mm-hmm. But we've gotten a couple of people involved oh. from inside. So uh, so far, so good. Well, hopefully we get some more. But uh, is there any other stuff you want to throw out there? Uh, <laughs> website info, anything like that? <laughs> What's that? You want to throw out any other contact <laughs> info, website, anything like that? No, just post. I mean, you can post something up on that page for me, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Send me whatever pictures you want, Site dude, B. and I'll throw com. them up on the chat. So. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Do all that stuff. It's not siteb.com? Yeah, hey, hey. Yeah, right? We haven't set that kind of crap up in a while. So, yeah, no. Even though most of his, uh, some of his scrubs are still on Rogue's Facebook, uh, Rogue's page. So, either way, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> go there. <laughs> so, <laughs> go there. We'll, we'll figure it out. But I remember anyway, last time for... that, actually, so it was Chris, me, and you. And the last time, you kept trying to get him to say rogue-reptiles, and he wouldn't do it. It was really pretty funny, well, actually. Yeah, you, the keeper of everything stupid I've ever said, would know these things. I, you know, I would. Yeah. He's trying to get me yeah. to do it? Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to get push get you to push that out there. Yeah. Uh, or are you not allowed to host? Oh, no, you're allowed to. Go ahead. Throw it out there. Say rogue-reptiles. Do it. No, I said, I said, are you not allowed to? I'm allowed to. I do it every show. <laughs> I wouldn't be here still if I wasn't allowed to promote he just, myself. He not. just wants you to say it so that it's not him pushing it himself. You know, he's trying yeah. to get that externalization. I'm trying to get an extra, well, I mean, yeah. he just, you just told everybody that you have animals from like 10 years ago on your page. I don't know if we know what to believe if we go there. Well, actually, right? when you were talking about the Keep babies, you're like, when you talk about the Waminas, I went on the website and pulled their baby pictures. I'm like, they're they they're so much bigger than this, but here is what they look like. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. Oh, what do you what do you have now? Actually, is there there stuff incubating right now or? No, we're done. Uh, in the last clutch of corn snakes hatch. So that was it. Um, but Famous I got nothing. Python and boa breeder, mostly boas, but also there's not a single snakes. there haven't been a single boa born over here. Since the Dominicans, okay, and you know, God help me, they'll never do it again. So, <laughs> yeah, the, um, next, the next thing is monitors. Yeah, um, yeah, monitors. Possibly, possibly the Nile. Well, uh, all the, the monitors you hatch, right? You know. Yeah, yeah, I, I hatched um, black throats, white throats, 
and mangrove monitors. But right now, the Nile monitors are paired, uh, the two bigger ones I have, and the mangroves are together. So, yeah. Oh, good Lord. Nile bit me through the bag, like, this weekend. Like, yeah, bit no me on the shit, pinky. dude. Yeah, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> no one prepared me for that. Anyway, let's wrap up this shit show before it gets even more off the rails. Chris. Do you remember we were at that Hudson Valley show and we had that Nile of uh, – or maybe it was the Reading show. We had that Nile of Andrews, and it was yes. sitting on my stomach, and it jumped up and ripped the phone out of my hand. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was a baby. It was a baby Nile. That was – yeah. <laughs> That was that was the pet expo that we did because we were at the hotel that night. Yeah, it was a two day show up there, which thank God we don't ever do again. But, anyways, I want to do a show. It's been forever. Well, all right, come do Hamburg. I don't want to do it, so you can do it in October. Or come to Tinley. October. Yeah, I'll put you to work at Tinley. Yeah, it might happen. Yeah, you should make it out to Tinley, man. It'll be fun. Definitely. You said it's first first weekend in October? First weekend in October. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Well, all right, Chris. Thanks for coming on and talking scrubs with us. And, you know, definitely let us know if you uh, pop out some babies. I know a lot of people who are listening would be interested in those. God, I hope so. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right, dude. I'll talk to you soon, all right? All right, man. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. All right, Rob, it is your turn. If you want to throw anything out there into the ether, now's the time to do it. All right, man. Well, yeah, highplaneterp.com or rhinorats.com hasn't been updated. Going to change it to uh, mostly focusing on info. For the Rhino Rat stuff, because I nice. know people have been asking for that, and there's really not a a one-stop shop, so to speak, for that stuff. So I'm going to work on making those mods, and should be good to go. Otherwise, people can find me on Facebook, Rob Stone, one of many, I'm sure. Uh, but if I'm friends with Elmac, then that's the place to be. Um, or I find you on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, that's the right guy. You know, if you find. Uh, the Hobbit E.B. Uh, Morelia on there, or uh, Friends with Omac, that's that's the one you want. Um, or High Plains Terp on Facebook, and uh, yeah, I'll be happy cool. to add anyone who's not a bot. Alright, we got the closing stuff is next week we're joined by Eric Kohler of Midgard Serpents. Eric's a cool guy, definitely does a lot of locality carpet pythons, also big into liasis as well as other things. A lot of stuff cooking over there, uh, he and I have definitely uh, been friends for a little bit, for a while. He definitely uh, hung out at shows. He likes to kind of uh, rag on me every once in a while, so it's going to be cool to have him on. Uh, then I would tell everybody to go check out MoreliaPythonRadio.com for everything Morelia. Stay up to date on our Facebook pages. You may also follow us on Twitter at MoreliaPython. Uh, to listen to the show, you can listen to it on iTunes, Blog Talk page, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app that you choose. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, want to point out any mistake I've ever made, please email us at info at moraypythonradio.com. You should definitely do um, that. Yeah, yeah, definitely do that. Um, we'd also like to give a thanks, a huge shout out to Nick from Reptilinks. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the episode that he was on, 
be sure to dive into the archive and check it out. He goes in depth on his products and the positive results that he has been having when using Reptilinks. We would also like to throw a shout out to SNJ Reptiles, Ian Bissell, specializing in green tree pythons. Check out his website at snjreptiles.com or his Facebook page at SNJ Reptiles. He is also now helming, taking over to build up the southern, the southeast carpet fest down in Florida. Uh, please feel free to forward along any information. Uh, he is going to be at the Daytona show. And he wants everybody who might be in the area of the Daytona show who lives in that area, who wants to be involved in the planning or and the execution of that carpet fest to meet up with him there to kind of put together a council or committee, a few other people to bounce some ideas off of and help, you out, help out. That's Ian Bissell, S&J Reptiles. For my co-host who decided to leave me high and dry, that he is E.B. Morelia. Uh, you can follow what he's doing. In a few different ways, you can go and like his Facebook page. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram. You can check out his website at ebmorelia.com. And you can send any questions to eric at ebm.com. For myself, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com to find out all the cool stuff we got going on in Rogue. I know I've been saying that we're going to get all the latest babies up for sale. I've just been very lazy and don't want to break out the camera. I'll get on that. So in the next couple of weeks, that'll happen. Um, you can also go to rogue reptiles on facebook.com. Give us a like, check out all the stuff we got going on over there. The next show I will be vending will be the October Tinley park reptile show until then I'm going to have to ship you the babies or you can meet me at any of, of the other East coast reptile shows that I attend, but no vending. That's all we have for you guys tonight. Thank you again, Rob, for coming on. So I'm just not talking to myself. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we will catch everybody back here next week when Eric returns triumphantly uh, for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night.